You're listening to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast, Euro Special, the home of Euro 2020 banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forum's podcast, season 10, episode 81, the Euros preview special. I've been waiting to say that for, I was going to say 23 years, but podcasts weren't around in the last time we qualified for the tournament. So we have myself, John. We have another John. How are you doing, John? I'm good, John. I um, can't believe it's, what, two days to the Euros and four day, five days so to we start playing it. It's mental. Uh, uh, I'm buzzing. Like, my, my yeah. missus is absolutely, she's like, what's going on here? I've been listening to Scotland songs on Sunday. I have slept in between, uh, but Scotland songs, any content at all that's possible, um, mostly from the BBC, which has been terrific, which mm. we'll probably go on and talk about later on. Because um, we've got a star of one of those uh, programmes that's on tonight, so we've got that to, to talk about. Um, we've got Scott from the Footy Blog Net. Supporters direct and all that in Scotland. How you doing, Scott? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm also looking at, also looking forward to our trip back into the unknown in terms of tournaments. So I can't wait. I unknown, I yeah. I it's interesting. I will say I've got my my passport looked out and all sorts for going away for Glasgow. Yeah. Eh? Aye, aye. <laughs> vaccine passport. Uh-huh. Um, so. <laughs> That's your first joke, and it might not get any better. Um, we've got Chris. How you doing? You good? Hi, good. Sir. So, Start of the video. Oh, hi. Two stars of the video. <laughs> well, I Lemmy's looking for your number. I think that, it was Lemmy esque to me. I thought I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Was. Very good. Which which one are you tonight? Are you ninety oh, eight or are you twenty twenty one? Definitely ready to boogie. Ready to boogie. Right, good. That's yeah. what I like to hear. Uh, we also have another one of our regulars that's not been on for a few weeks. Um, we told him tonight we weren't talking about Dundee United, so we said he would come on. Tony, you good? Very well, thank you very much. Very well. Looking forward to the chat, as the youngsters say. The youngsters, the young team, yes. Um, we mentioned yeah. this- yeah, yeah. We mentioned as well, we've got a star at one of the BBC programmes. So it was on last night, Mr. Brown's Boys. Big introduction for Colin. What? Oh, no, it's not Colin. It's one of the Bannockburn Bandits. <laughs> Amy, Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you very much. I was nerve-wracking watching the television last night. I was scared. See what was going to happen in Mr. Brown's boys, but can I... I was scared when I seen your shadow. Uh, <laughs> I, I spotted you straight away. As soon as I seen the shadow, I went, "That's it, that's Ian." 
Yeah, I'm not very good at disguise myself. <laughs> Do you still have the fiat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fiat Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, tremendous. I, I, was, I was watching it through my fingers, panicking. But not much makeup, it, much so. makeup did you have on? What's that? How, did you, how much makeup did you have on? Oh, plenty. Plenty on. Yeah, plenty, give you plenty, aye. That was yeah, some yeah. story as well. You've never told us that story before about uh, the flag. Yeah, well, that long ago, I forgot all about it. And then someone phoned up and said, did you guys take the Bannockman flag? And I didn't know who it was. So after they explained who they were and what they were planning to do, we reluctantly kind of agreed. And then we started panicking after it. When did you panic? When you were in France in Bordeaux partying? Is that when you panicked? Actually, we did panic in France because the Sunday Post read a story, uh, made a story saying the police officer was heading over to the games and was going to be looking out for the flag. <laughs> we started panicking. <laughs> and the whole problem with the flag is we were always going to return it. Which we, did. we put up uh, the other curtain saying merci and we returned it in the middle of the night. But the big bit was like the two weeks in between, like, you know, the amount of drink taken and all the rest of it. Every morning we woke up saying, who's got the flag? <laughs> It came back a bit uh, weather-beaten and a few autographs on it. I went back up the pole. Yeah, fully erect. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so uh, we've got a six-a-side team just now because we like six-a-side teams this season. We did that with uh, the end-of-season special. We might have a seventh person joining us, we shall see. And he's actually working at the Euros, so it'd be good to have him on because he's doing a wee bit at the Euros. So it'd be good to hear about that. So we'll see what happens. So yeah, uh, but we've come a long way, haven't we? It was, what, about two and a half years ago, I think we were thinking probably any one of us could get a call up for the team when we played Kazakhstan and lost 3-0. I think any one of us could have been in there. But look now, we're, as John says, we're... Five days away from our opening game. What a journey. Where do we start? Start Monday. Maybe not. Start Probably. Monday. <laughs> yeah. it's, you... it's, just a, it's just amazing. You know, you think about that game um, in Kazakhstan, um, but yet before that, we'd actually secured the playoff. And I think this is where we've got to give a bit of credit to Alec McLeish. Um, he did secure that playoff. If he didn't secure that playoff, all right, Israel and Albania, it wasn't. Um, the most daunting groups, which we nearly made a big zero, but we got the job done in the end. Um, so we've got to thank him for getting us in that position in the first place. But unfortunately, after Kazakhstan, he pro- he knew himself that his time was up. And um, you know, thankfully, Steve Clark became available because um, he was leaving Kilmarnock, and uh, we acted quickly. And uh, you know, the rest is history. And here we are, thanks to David Marshall's penalty save. It's funny to ah. think that we've come. It's, it's- it's near enough three years since that uh, Nations League campaign kicked off. Mm. And yet that's what ultimately got us to this stage. And yet, I mean, we're, still, and yet we're still playing Israel. Uh, well, yeah, we always play Israel. Now. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm half expecting on Monday Israel to turn up inside the Czech Republic. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we obviously played Israel twice in that, and then we played Israel in the playoff again. And then we've played Israel in the Nations League again since. So what was that? What, seven games or something? Against Israel? Uh, there was the World Cup qualifier as well. So there was the two Nations ah, yeah. League games. There was the playoff in between. There was a Nations League campaign for two years, two or three years ago. And then there was the World Cup. So seven games we've played them, having not played them since the 80s. So 
They're like what? buses right now, and we're due to play them again in October. Yeah. <laughs> aye, we are, aye. But thankfully, we're focusing on Czech Republic, Croatia, and England, of course. We are indeed. I think the big change definitely came um, with Clark taking over, definitely. And see, if you think back to the mood of the nation at that time, we had some really hard games against Belgium and Russia. Straight away, you know, everybody was, everybody was quest- questioning, questioning him and the players. And, it, you know, it took a wee while to get the feel-good factor and get the, strip, you know, the run of results, which were picked up again just before this tournament. So, I mean, everybody is genuinely on a high. I mean, it's so exciting. Can't wait. Uh, I think folk forget as well, we had a hard start to, the, to his uh, fixtures as well, with likes of Belgium and Russia. Anyone yeah. was on the plums with that one, probably. But now you can all look at it and you think, in a weird position where you're actually contemplating what's the lineup going to be on Monday because we've got genuine competition for places. Um, I know, Scott, you've been uh, on the, the campaign trail for Billy Gilmer since he was five. Um, Nearly. Uh, you know, and to be fair, I think it kind of, it's all kind of coming into fruition in that, you know, he against Luxembourg, and I know people will say Luxembourg this, that, and the next time, but Luxembourg are a lot better than the Luxembourg of, you know, 20 years ago or even five years ago. And he just came in and he, he cemented his himself into the game straight away. And the only way they could get away from, rid of him was basically to brutally attack him. Uh, and I think he's ideally suited for a midfield with McTominay and McGinn giving a bit of you know, freedom to go forward. Now, I, I don't think Clark will necessarily go that way. But it's funny when you think of Steve Clark, there's kind of two big issues with time. And personally, I was calling for Steve Clark before McLeish got involved. So would that have made us better if he'd have been in earlier and started things in that earlier camp, you know, earlier in that campaign? And then the other thing is, has the pandemic actually made us better? Has that helped us out? Yes, because mm-hmm. because obviously we've now had that extra year. Gilmore's come into fruition just at the right time. You know, we've got everybody seems to be ready for it this summer that they probably wouldn't have been ready for it last summer. Another thing we need to think about is we were due to play Israel what last March, and um, at that point, John McGinn uh, was injured. Um, Try to think. There was a couple of um, keepers that were injured at that point. Scott McKenna was still first choice in the back. He was um, injured as well. Tierney was injured. Um, Griffiths, ironically, was on fire at the time at Celtic. Um, Dykes was nowhere near the scene at this point. Yeah. And we were still playing the 4 2 3 1, which was showing signs of actual working. Then we changed the formation. Steve Clark used the time to change the formation. Um, and the players have bought in it. I mean, a lot of us criticised it when it first came back because McLeish tried it, it didn't work. He's tried it and we've actually found a way of it working and it's been good. And it didn't work, the, you know, the formation didn't work, but originally when Clark brought it back in, but he persisted, he knew what he wanted and, you know, that's what a good manager does. Do we think also the pandemic's helped as well in a way because we played so many games in a short period of time? I think that's that- helped with the... That's helped with the kind of atmosphere around everything. You know, that's the kind of club, almost the club mentality. They've had so much time together. I think that that's helped. You know, I, I think Tierney and Robertson, that's kind of helped them a lot, certainly. Um, I think McTominay's bedded himself in uh, back into the midfield. And again, that's helped with that one. Um, so we mentioned earlier, we're going to be joined by another guest. Donald, how are you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm good. 
Evening, guys. All right. Evening, Donald. Is this you late in from your Euro 2020 working? Yes. <laughs> right, we'll let no, you off then. Well, no, no, actually, my own, just my own work. Um, All right. Later home then. No excuses then? No. Eh? If it was Euro 2020, we would accept it. We won't accept it if it's your <laughs> no, normal I'm work. No, I'm working the I'm working the right. there. Tell us all about it, Donald, because I've been building this up. Well, I am working and at the moment I'm in accreditation. So basically getting everybody's forms and uh, their stuff ready to go to whatever department. So roughly since I started on uh, the 12th of May, there's something like 16,000 uh, accreditations that's going to be given out to anybody. So basically you're doing Joe Smith, who is working for G4S Security, to uh, Mary Wilson, who's in catering, to myself, all the volunteers in every department, and then obviously building up to the media, the press and the players and all the staff. So it's quite an eclectic mix. One minute you're giving to somebody who's working G4S and then the next minute Jonathan Sutherland for the BBC is coming up, getting his accreditation and then you're doing uh, Mary Keary who's working in beside me uh, and the media and then the next person is Elaine, uh, Leanne Crichton who's come up and she's getting her accreditation as well. One thing I'm oh. curious about, you mentioned all these names. What's Mary Wilson from Catering doing? Because there's not going to be any food at Hamden. <laughs> well, well, see, the thing is, we're getting fed. Oh, Kate, you're getting fed. Right, aye. Okay. Aye. Catering's still open. Um, aye, up, aye, upstairs and floor, uh, floor five of the South Stand is uh, all opened up to all the staff. So we've been fed every day. And I'm presuming that we'll get fed during the games as well, uh, which is, we'll keep that between ourselves. <laughs> Everyone else can bring a wee plastic bag with sandwiches. It's a touchy subject. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing that tomorrow, and then after that, I'm getting into the actual media. So, but the only game that I'm actually be based working at will be the last 16, uh, whoever that will be at Hamden. Oh, I've got my predictions because I've wrote it all out. We were, we're getting everyone to do predictions for the be tournament. In, be in the stadium, just making working with the press and the broadcasting outlets, making sure they're in the right areas, making sure that they're not going into people's not going into the wrong areas, um, and making sure you're well fed. Making sure I'm well fed, yeah. Aye. So actually, the, to be fair, mind you, the, the the catering that we've been getting at the moment, although hold my hands up and say well done to them that we're getting fed. It's not the greatest. Well, Donald, uh, Donald you can't say that. Oh dear. <laughs> it's uh, it's lasagna um, or a wee chicken salad, um, a bottle of water, packet of crisps, and maybe a tangerine or an apple. What are you expecting? A buffet? <laughs> it, it, I was expecting fine a little dining, bit better. But a fine dining, aye. It's all, aye. The, it's all was the Asda council stuff, anyway. The prawn sandwich brigade, that was what I was looking for. <laughs> I, I reckon the, the real story here, breaking news, you were expecting a cheeky wee beverage. No, 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 no when I'm working. No, no when you're working. No. I, I know said. that's I know that's not true. <laughs> well, definitely no mother job. <laughs> no, but say it's it's going great. Everybody's everybody's been good. This the people I'm working with, all the volunteers for all different age groups and different uh, backgrounds, etc. Everybody's looking forward to it. Can I make an extra Euros prediction that 
Mary is going to give Donald food poisoning after hearing this. <laughs> and he's not going to, he's not going to be reading any other games. I wonder, I hope she doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Aye. But, but, I hope not. But she was. Right, predictions. So... I, let's just go into predictions straight away because we've all got, we've got predictions from all of you, apart from Ian. But to be fair to you, Ian, you, I think you never got them through yesterday, but you might be able to like just talk about them off your head as opposed to the rest, which have had wall planners, predictors, writing it out and all sorts. There's one I'm not, aye, aye, it's good, right? So we'll start, we we're going to go for how many goals we're going to score in the qualifying group. And the general consensus from most of you is three. Three is a magic number. The only exception to that was Scott. You were on four. I'm on four as well. And now typically when I'm trying to find it, I can't find the bloody predictions. Um, Scott, four. Yep. You and me, four. Chris, you've got three. Good John, three. Tony, three. Ian, how many goals are we going to score in the qualifying group? Right, because no one said five, let's go for five. Oh, that's <laughs> what I like. Yes. That's what I like. What is it you've got in your glass? <laughs> what is that? What you got? Is it Desperados I've seen? Yeah. Aye. The first one, so I'm not hallucinating yet. I, was oh, just I like thinking, it, I like I it. Prediction. Okay. Um, you're noticing he's gone for a Mexican beer. <laughs> Oh, it's fine. It's fine. And it's French. Is Desperado's not French? I I no, it's Mexican. <laughs> huh? yeah. Mexican. The tequila beer. Desperado. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there wasn't a theme in beer anyway, to be fair. Well, no, but there might be later on. There might be later on, so we'll come to that. Right. So, top goal scorers. Again, there's a popular man that uh, one, two, three, four of us have gone for. Lukaku at Belgium, obviously number one in the world, tip to do well. So Lukaku's up there. The only ones that went different to that were Scott with Mbappe, which is a, a, a kind of decent shout. And the other one who, frankly, his production's made me sick, actually. Uh, Chris has gone for Harry Kane to finish top goal scorer. There is method to my madness. Aye, aye. The usual carve up that England have got when it comes to hosting or playing all their games at Wembley. See, I was thinking you're trying to jinx them. I was thinking you're trying to jinx England. I'm so. The same way I jinxed Hamilton for going down this year. I predicted they're going to stay up. Aye. So I asked as well for semi finalists, obviously, finalists, winners. So generally, you've got your your suspects like Belgium. You're asking who's top scorers going to be? I would say Lukaku as well, just because I know would have been. Was it sixty goals in his country? It's hard not to hard hard to pass them. And Belgium actually. Yeah. Um, So semi finalists. General consensus is from I think everybody bar two people. Belgium are going to be in the the. Semi-final. So, Tony, you went with Belgium, mm-hmm. and then you have gone from three teams from the group of death, France, Portugal, and Germany. Chris, do you remember who you went for? Aye, I took Belgium, 
I took France, I took England, and I took the Netherlands. And this was how it happened before we played them in that friendly. I'm not yeah. the Netherlands anymore, so... Right to love England I have so to redo much. these, but I'll stick with whatever I sent you on. Right to love England so much? I, I don't, I just reckon they're going... Like I said, they've got the usual carve-up of... Wembley. That's only that's only if they win the group. Aye. They'll win the group. Aye. Uh, Scott, do you remember who you went for? Uh, yeah, I've got Italy, France, Spain before the coronavirus outbreak, and Denmark. Are you wanting to change your Spanish prediction? Uh, no, I'll leave it because uh, they've got probably two squads that are better than most, so I'll, I'll leave it just in okay. case. Good, John, do you remember? Yep, yeah, I've got it written down. I've got Belgium, France, England, and I've got my wee outsider in Turkey. Aye, Turkey are getting tipped <laughs> by a, a couple of people. Donald, do you remember who yep. you're for? I've got France, Italy, Turkey, and who's my fourth? Uh, Germany. Germany. Yes. Germany. That is. I've, I've went for them. Um, I'm looking at the groups and I've went for Lukaku as my top goal scorer. But I think he could actually score all his goals in the groups and Belgium will go out early. Aye, we've seen the likes of that happening before in tournaments. So I aye, could, you he... could quite you could quite easily see Belgium maybe. I don't know if it will happen, but you could see Belgium maybe taking four off Finland. And Lukaku scores three of them. He maybe scores another against Denmark and maybe one against Russia. That's five goals, and I've got Belgium getting out. I think in the last eight. Aye, it's I don't know if anybody chance. else will get higher than that. He might end up with six overall. Yeah. But Turkey's Turkey's my. Kind of little dark horse. Aye, um, it's interesting. Turkey. I was reading earlier about them, and I think they've got a they've got a kind of generation that's coming around just at the right time. All when they're maybe kind of mid twenties. Um, well, that's city. that's that's the reason I went for them because not, they haven't been spoken about, and, and then I looked at their, their squad, and then I looked at. Um, like the the age, and as a young team, which is quite surprising because Turkey and the actual league in Turkey is known as quite as the graveyard now for foreigners. Mm. See if you look at Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas, Trabzonspor, they're, they're are old teams. The average age is about 28, 29. And they're all, but they're all full of aging foreigners. They've finished their careers in the Premier League or Serie A, La Liga. They've went over to Turkey and playing. But the actual Turkish players that's playing for the top teams, some of them are in Germany, some of them are abroad, but the rest are all playing with those teams. Um, but they're all in the national team and they've been playing well. Aye, maybe the exception is the boy Yilmaz up front, who's like 35, but yeah, he did really well at Lille this year. He's in the form of um, his life at the moment. Like. He's a he's a cheeky a cheeky person, I think, for the old fantasy football, Yilmaz. I've picked him in my team. You picked him in your team. Um, yeah. so that's the other thing a... about Turkey as well is some of the results have been impressive. You know, they beat um, France in qualifying, um, you know, way back. And then they beat in the World Cup qualifiers, they beat Holland, sorry, Netherlands, should we say, and they beat uh, Norway away from home. So, you know, yeah, they then went and drew to each other that way, which is a bit random, but they're definitely a capable side. I know, I think they are. Right. Ian, it's a bit maybe more difficult for you if you've no other chance to look at all the different groups and permutations, but. Have you got an idea who you think the last four might be? I think Belgium, France, definitely in there. Um, see, no one said Scotland yet. Why is that? <laughs> we're waiting no, for you. We're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Craig Brown, thanks for winning. 
Oh, I've just seen that, hi. We're all on that train. We're all on the train. <laughs> yeah, we're we could win it. Like, Why not? Really, yeah, really got, I think it's only two games after the group session to get in the semis. Is that right? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I say definitely Belgium and England because it's at Wembley and they'll get that far and hopefully no further. And I was thinking about either Italy or Germany. I'm going to go for Germany. Right, okay. All, every tournament they all seem to come good. Aye. My last four, I've gone for France, Italy, Belgium and Portugal. My only one that's gone for Portugal then? Probably with Portugal. Tony, you did as well, didn't you? Mm. I, th- I think Portugal have got a fantastic team this year. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, just all the way through. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, they just seem like really complete. And it's, uh, probably Ronaldo's last European Championships. You know, um, and you forget as well, they're the um, Nation Cup holders. Defending champions. Yeah, uh, as, as well. well so, uh, aye, they'll fancy their chances big time. Aye, I think so. Definitely. Brian um, sucks, though. That's what the group, that, there's always a group of death. Aye. But it's interesting, though, because last time in 2016, they finished third and won the tournament. Aye. And this time, I potentially got them doing the same again, the way that I can see it. And actually, in a way, finishing third in that group, I think, is a good thing, because probably you face Netherlands, who I don't think are that much up to much as now. But I think potentially finishing third in that group, you, you, you do well, and then potentially next round, you're then facing Denmark. Who yeah. I do think Denmark are good. I know, Scott, you're a big fan of Denmark. I just, I took it was like a dark horse because I think there will be a dark horse that will get to the kind of semi-final stages. I think they've got kind of really good balanced squads, uh, a wee bit of a mix between young and old. Portugal, I'm just a bit, I'm always a bit worried about Portugal that the focus is too much on Ronaldo and. You know, they've got such good players that they don't need to do it, yet they always seem to, to, to focus everything around him. And, you know, you can see what happened to Juventus this season with that sort of thing. So that was my kind of thinking with Portugal. Uh, Belgium, again, I don't know if this is just a, a tournament, you know, too far in the ten- sense that, you know, they, they did really well at the World Cup and is it, are they kind of peaked. It'll be interesting to see that um, and how they progress. So yeah, so I think Denmark. I think I think there will be at, at least one kind of dark horse. Um, whether it's Turkey, whether it's Denmark, I don't know. I think Turkey and Denmark, if they finish runners up in their group, will play each other. So it's a good case for yeah, either so of those sides. Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of people are saying Germany are going to go for. I actually think they'll struggle. I think they'll struggle. I, I don't think Germany's as good as what they have been. Um, he's got him in the semi-final yeah but they'll, <laughs> but they'll struggle to get it it won't be a walk for them, for them I mean the way I've walked it out the teams that they'll get they'll be but I don't think they'll be as good as what they have been I don't think they'll get any further than the semi-final I'll be one of the kind of Germany gets to the semi-finals but it's nothing fancy nothing great how many nothing times have I've Germany got, been got, written off how many yeah. times there's everybody running them off. I think as well in qualifying, they never had Hummels. They never had Muller. And it was one other. I can't remember who the third player was. It was a Cruz. He's brought two of them back. Well, is he not? Cruz and, uh, sorry, Muller and Hummels back, are both yeah. back in. Hmm. I heard earlier, though, which could be a blow, Gretzka is going to miss the tournament. Hmm. Um, but they're still pretty well stacked in midfield. You've got Kimmich, you've got Cruz, you've got. Um, Gundigan, who's had a great season um, in Man City. I watched, I watched highlights of their game the other night, or you can't take nothing off them, and I know it was 7-0 when they beat Latvia, 
but Kai Havertz has come into a game. <laughs> he, he had a good European Cup final, um, and then the, the games that Germany has played in the in the friendlies there, Havertz has been playing well. But better tell the young team the European Cup final is the Champions League final. It's <laughs> <what> it <should. laughs> this is on the assumption that any of the young team are listening. They'll hopefully be listening with some of the guests that we've had on recently. So, I would wonder. There's plenty of youth in this podcast, right? Isn't there? Aye, definitely. Oh, definitely. Um, right, okay. So, we've got the semi finalists. We may as well go, right? Finals winners. I'm going Portugal. That's who I'm going for. Uh, I'll go alphabetical order this time. And then let's hope I know my alphabet. I was going to say. Donald, winners. I've got, I've, my winners are France. Are they? Because your predictions are different. <laughs> <laughs> you said me. What did I send you? <laughs> You've got Italy. Eh? Italy to win it. Well, I changed it the very last minute. Well, 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 if you change it very last minute, that's not what you sent me. So let me just go back. <laughs> no, no that is a change. That what no. what I've gave you? What I've oh, gave you is my up right at the last minute when you messaged me to say that get your predictions in. I had my winners as being France all the way through it. And then... But you never even had France in the final. <laughs> I know, I know. Right at the very last minute, I looked at... Um, I minute, actually studied... What minute? What minute? I, I studied the groups. Oh. And, um, and then I went through and I looked at it and I went, and you know what? It's Italy beating Germany in the final. But, but now you're is, it, is it or, or is it? Yeah, France? that's aye, that's it. Uh, yeah, the, the prediction that I've gave you is, is what's my. So there's Brazil, Germany. I still don't know. Is it, no, is it? Italy? You've got Italy. Oh, is it Italy? Sorry. Yeah, Italy, yeah, yeah. So you're sticking I with changed, Italy. I changed it right at the last minute. You're going you're with France. Go, you're not going for Brazil, no. No. <laughs> is it Italy or France? It's Italy. It's Italy, right? You're sticking right. with Italy, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, what I was going. I was going with France yeah. all the way. Oh uh, right, okay. And then, and then you changed I changed it when I sent it to you. Yeah, you definitely Jesus got this job fuck. accreditation. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> you may not after tonight. Aye, <laughs> just you wait until you until Nicky Barella gets his accreditation. It says France. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think he's giving them the um, his volunteers list a different name. He's not really Donald <laughs> to according to UEFA. Uh, I, I don't even know if Mary Wilson is the caring person's real name. No, I've, I've just get... made i just making names up. I, I know you have. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, wait till Jonathan Sutherland has to do the catering. Well he was definitely there. Oh dear. Jesus. Right. Uh, Ian. Who is your winner? Well, Belgium, France in the final, and Belgium being the winners. But something that no one has mentioned yet is COVID could affect yes. games and squads and outcomes. And I think it will, unfortunately, play part of this tournament. So, yeah, go by everything going well, Belgium. But I think there's going to be a lot of problems ahead. For yeah. teams and countries, which could unset, unsettle everything and <laughs> throw up a few unpredictable results. Aye, but we were touching on that a wee bit before the podcast, obviously, about Spain, because Spain have now got an additional bubble, one extra six players. I think yeah. the other night in their friendly, they basically played their under-21 side because 
the whole squad is now in a bubble because of is it Busquets and I think Lorente now was tested positive as well, <laughs> um, which isn't too good. So yeah, who knows? Um, maybe a lot of strange things happening in this tournament. It could be you know all sorts of things could be happening. Aye, uh, it could be. Um, but you're going for the winner is Belgium. Belgium, right? Okay. See, my only doubts about Belgium is I know De Bruyne is going to miss the first game, supposedly. And what condition is Eden Hazard in? He's not played much on Real Madrid, but maybe he's going to get fit at the right time and then yeah. do the do the job. No. Um, but definitely, I strong, strong side. Yeah. Um, John? Well, I've got a Belgium-England final, but I've got Belgium to win it. Um, yeah. I just think that they've they've got a lot of ex- they've got a lot of experience now, um, and they've been almost a nearly main team for last few tournaments. But I think that experience will hold them in good stead this time, and I think um, this is their time. And uh, I, Chris, I don't even know if I want to really ask you who's going to win it. I've got the same final as John. Yeah, but you've <laughs> I got... just I, I have England winning it. I, I keep I keep. Yeah. Sh- there is that, yeah, I know. I, I, again, hope I'm jinxing them, but there is that whole playing pretty much the whole tournament at Wembley. The way I wrote it out, and thanks to Wikipedia for helping it with the third place matches, I've got England. The only game that England would play away from Wembley would be the quarter final in Rome when they would play Spain. And we're just talking about how they had the COVID. Having said that, Spain are knocking out. Scotland in the last 16 in my predictions so if they uh, really are that bad maybe imagine Scotland England in Rome well I've, I've got Scotland in the quarterfinals as well but I've got them getting knocked out by Italy in Munich it depends what way they go because uh, obviously it changes if you're uh, aye depending on where you finish in the group as well you, you've got them finishing somewhere different to me aye I've got Scotland finishing third uh, with that. We'll, we'll come on to our group a bit more in detail um, later on see England's an interesting one because they played the friendlies, the last couple of friendlies, they've won 1-0, but I think they had 11 players no playing. Does Southgate know his best team? I don't know. Harry Maguire's probably their best centre-back. He's, I think, almost certain to miss the first game. So then, depending on what happens in that game, does he even play against us? Um, attacking options, there's no doubt, attacking-wise, they've got great options. Is Southgate the right man to get the best out of their attack? He did it in the World Cup three years ago. They took them all the way to the, the semis there. And they didn't really play too many people, but I think there's enough quality in that England team. Whether he knows his best 11 or not, they kind of, even when he brings in the players, they, they play for him. So he seems to be getting the best at them. It's funny because it's the first England team I remember where there isn't really an absolute star in the team. Yeah. The way you would have like a, a David Beckham or a Gary Lineker or a Paul Gascoigne or however far back you go, there's always been a star. And this team, Kane's good, but he's if, maybe if he gets away from Spurs as he's hoping to get away from, it, then he'll actually get to be that big star. But he's he's the kind of he's about as close as they come to having that big star in the team without there being mega star. Superstar. Is there going to be a is there going to be a star emerging though with Grealish or Foden? That's the they, are the, they are the two. Like I mean. You kind of look slightly envious at it when you think. I mean, Grealish and Foden are both terrific players. Will they both make the starting lineup? Um, I don't think. I don't think they will from the start. I think he'll go always tried and trusted Sterling, Kane, and Rashford. Well, let's hope so. And if, if if I can see what happening, if Sterling, who's had a very indifferent season, 
Rashford's to kind of burnt, looked burnt out with the amount of games he's been playing. And I think if, if none, of, none of these two get off to a great start, the clamour will be there to get Foden and Grealish in the start. Mm. Um, the media will go up against Sterling and against Rashford to get them out. And then does, does he bring in Foden? Does he bring in Grealish? Um, Mason Mount is obviously there as well. It's a Jordan Henderson situation as well. Yeah. He loves See, him. Does he put him straight into the team or does he know? Um, See, the thing is, we're, we're talking about England again. And again, I look back over Southgate's full turn as manager and they've never had it. They've still got the same kind of issues, I think, that they've always had under him. And that's the defence isn't the most solid and the keeper's suspect. And I think and I think what's always happened, and I think it might happen again this time, is against the best opposition, they're going to, that's where they're going to come undone. I think against you know the, the checks and whatever, then yeah, I, th- I think they'll, they'll blow them away. But then against you know a bit a better opposition, with some really good another team with a good attack, are they then going to just kind of crumble like they did in the Nations League finals? Well, I've got them getting knocked out in the last sixteen because. I'm assuming they win their group. They're playing, and this is assuming that Hungary don't qualify. They're going to play one of France, Germany, or Portugal. Yeah, they will go out a bit earlier as well. So, but, but at the same time, I can I can see them winning it as well. Unfortunately, and I hope they don't. For more still reasons, like a good enough squad. Just that yeah. our neighbours. I'll be in England the week of the final, so it's going to be terrific when Scotland win it. That I'll be in England, <laughs> flying the flag and all that. Um, yeah. England are one of these teams that make a lot at the home advantage, you know, and the fact that they will play yeah. that second round, or the round of 16, at home, at Wembley, should they win their group. It's an increased crowd at Wembley as well. But well, that, if they get well, through, that's, mm. where they could, aye, that's where they could count. So if they can buy so, the last 16, obviously, then aye. they're aye, very, very favourable. For me, again. that's tricky, but that, if they then make it to that quarterfinal in Rome, that's where they might come unstuck. But if they really do come up against a Spain that's COVID-ravaged, they're going to get, they'll be lucky to get through that as well, and then after that, the semi-final and final. Remember, but again, if you look at if you you look at England, we talk about home advantage and stuff like that. But since this new Wembley, I don't think they've really been that impressive at New Wembley. To beat Belgium in the the Nations League, I'm pretty sure at home. Mm. Now yeah. the interesting thing is Denmark beat them. So, so I think that was in about the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think since then they, they, they beat. I think the, the most recent competitive game was when they beat Poland, and that was tight. But even even getting it, even when they don't impress too much, they still managed to grind out that one 0 or two one when they're at home, no matter who they're playing. Aye, they always seem to get a goal with ten minutes to go or something Aye. to win to win out games. I, th- I think a lot with England probably goes in how their mentality and how they're team reacts to the pressure because if we're saying this and we're all Scotland fans about the fact they're playing at home every game imagine what it's like with English fans they must be already booking final tickets the whole lot because they must all think we're going to final so all really there'll be a hell of a lot of pressure on England players mm-hmm. to win so that may come into effect the further they go on the tournament Oh, Tony let's ask an English fan Chris what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the expectation will, will 
it's already pretty high for England because mm. I think he's have made them favourite, but I think that's just because they're getting lots of money lumped on. Aye, they will be also here. The, the thing yeah. as well is there's speculation about will it be a back three, will it be a back four? Maguire mm. uh, not if Maguire doesn't start, are they going to go with the three? Who's going to be in that three? Is Ben White going to make a, a late um, push for the a start? Alexander Arnold missing. They had that many right backs, I think, just because we are so strong down the left. That's why they had three or four <laughs> right backs in this way in their squad. Um, so, aye, I just I hope they don't win it. Aye, like I've said. Tony, I think you're the only person I've got to. No, Scott, sorry. Your winner is. France. Yeah. We're all talking about experience and things like that. Well, Deschamps has got it all in terms of winning the World Cup and then winning the Euros. The squad's still phenomenal. Um, so, you know, I, I just, when I did all the predictions, I just couldn't see who was going to beat them. Um, I did have, you know, I did put Spain in, in the final. And it, it just depends on whether the coronavirus outbreak has happened just at the right time or maybe just a bit too late. Uh, maybe they could have done with that happening for, you know, a week or so back. Um it's interesting, you're the only one that's got Spain in the last four. And, 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 and like Tony, when Tony, when Tony was talking about Germany, I, 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 it's not because I think that they're, they're a fantastic team, it's just the way I went down it and who they, who they were playing next, it was just an easier route I thought that they had. So it wasn't because I think they're a fabulous team, plus, you know, Lewis Enrique knows how to win tournaments as well, competitions, so... You know, it was more based on that than, you know, if I had my pick of teams, it would have probably been different, but it's just the, the roots situation. Aye. Tony, who did you go for? Uh, France to win it. I've been Portugal in the final. I, had, um, I just think with France, they've got different kind of quality of strikers. You've got somebody like Griezmann. Then you've got Giroud, then you've got the Broadback Benzema, and I, I know there's a bit of a doubt about him at the minute because he got an injury. Um, and then you've, and then obviously you've got Mbappe, a, a speed merchant. So there's a bit of something for everyone in, in their attack. Um, you know, you, you, you've got a, Lloris for me is a good goalie. Pogba in midfield. Oh, yeah, I just, I just think. They've got a million caps in that score as well, haven't they? They're, yeah. Scott said they are so experienced. Like, it's, I, I, I generally do think that in this one, this Euros, it'll be about mentality totally with the big teams um, because everything's been going on with COVID. It's a different kind of tournament um, in the sense that uh, you've not got a host nation. You'll be travelling around quite far over Europe kind of thing. Um, so... I just think they've got the experience. They've got they've got straight a good strike force, which a lot of teams don't necessarily seem to have. If you look at a lot of teams in the competition, they tend to have a good midfield, good defence, and maybe a striker, and that's about it. Whereas I think France have got about four great options to play up front. And for me, the I mean, best really, for me the best player is Kante. Sorry, so you know, I mean? mm. and that's I think his energy in midfield is going to be. <coughs> something as well for them you know do, do we think then overall we're going to see a tournament of goals or is it going to be one of them defensive efforts whereby it's I think there will best? be I think there'll be goals because I don't think there's many teams in the tournament that can defend to be brutally yeah. honest I think football as a whole you know struggling for really good defenders at the moment so yeah and there's so many teams it's such a melting pot of a tournament I think yeah I think we'll see goals 
I was going to say as well about France, if they do it this time, then they've repeated what they did in 98 and 2000. Yep. Mm. Can't really roll that out with the team they've got. I mean, I, I know not. I've got Belgium win it, but it could very, I could easily, very easily pick France as well. Wouldn't it be surprising me if France win this? Oh, I definitely <laughs> in France. That's so good. I think I think everybody had them in the last four. Like so. Well, that's their group, the group stage now. <laughs> well, I maybe. Um, Do you know what? what I think it's quite an open tournament. I don't think you can say there's a standout. You know team that everybody will say they're definitely going to win it. I think it's really quite open um, and that's where I think I'll probably make a good tournament because there's so many options um, as opposed to like in recent tournaments where you would normally say in a World Cup you would normally go, oh, Spain or you know what I mean in the past or Germany or Brazil and they would then go on to do well and win it so but this one there does seem to be like a lot of options and there's no one particular good team yeah, so a couple has mentioned we think Scotland could get to the quarterfinals, which which seems bizarre because usually in the past we're all of an age group where it's like just happy to be there, but that that mood is shifting, and I think you see that in the players especially. The players are not just going there to take part. The players are very confident. There's guys playing at the top level, like McTominay, the likes of Gilmer, even though he's not played much for Chelsea, um, McGinn, who's terrific. We've got. Robertson, we've got Tierney, we've got players that I think other nations are actually envious of. I was listening to a podcast earlier um, about the Euro 2020. We were talking about if you were having the best team in the tournament and you're maybe picking only a player from each side, where would you go? Andy Robertson was in there. Like, we almost start. Do we take Andy Robertson for granted, maybe a wee bit? Um, possibly. I think we do, but it shows that it's not often that we would be in a tournament and thought it would be like either be a Scotland player in the best team. Well, Charles Patterson, our last podcast on the, the Bonanza one, uh, he said that Kieran Tierney is a prospect for being in the team of the tournament if we get to the group stages. And I think that says a lot about some of the players that we've got in there. And I think we also think that Kieran Tierney is someone that could put himself in the short window because I can see him moving on first to someone with a better chance of doing well in the Champions League and winning Premier Leagues and Championships abroad. And a good thing for my point of view in terms of the, looking at our last kind of four games is how much Andy Robertson's actually started to go forward and producing the same kind of crosses he does for Liverpool. And I think that's because he's assured that Tierney will you know, work back. If he, if, he, if he goes forward, Tierney will sit back. And if he sits back, Tierney will go forward. And I think you know that combination and how Clark's got them working in that kind of combination, and that combination has been fantastic. And that's probably what has impressed me the most in this build-up for Scotland. It's constantly evolving as well, I feel, that partnership, because we weren't getting that, obviously, up until the last four games. It was generally Tierney was one getting forward, forward, forward. Whereas, obviously, we can't just be predictable like that, because the big teams or the good teams will just be like, that's easy to deal with. Whereas now, they're going to be like, well, what's Tierney going to do? Is he going to come up the inside, underlap? Could he go around the outside? Because Robertson's just as good coming in the inside and getting into the box light. So there's so many kind of possibilities there. So everyone else, where have you got Scotland getting to? Third place, last 16 for me. Third place, last 16. Yeah. I had the same in the predictor. I missed that because I had sort of Scotland scraping through as like the fourth place, third place team um, going out to Spain in the last 16. Which, if that happened, I will be absolutely delighted. We'll finally get a girlfriend back. And that's two in one two. Because we've had this not qualifying at all, monkey on our back for two decades. So to get that and to then qualify through the group stages for the first time ever would be remarkable. 
But I'm a bit torn at the moment because probably before the last few weeks, I was a bit concerned how the how our results had gone since we qualified, um, and even that's where the games have qualified us. We were a bit we were a wee bit disappointing that we didn't win the games because we won them on penalties, but it was enough to get us through, and that's great. But the kind of manner, the, like Israel games especially, it was just a bit disappointing overall. Um, the way we lost the the top spot in the Nations League in those last two games. That was disappointing because we lost one nil away from home in two games. The World Cup qualifying campaign was a wee bit of a disappointing start as well with the draw at home to Austria and then another draw away to Israel. Beating the Pharaohs was expected. But just the last few weeks, I mean, you, there's only so much you can tell from friendlies. And drawing two each with the Netherlands sounds like a great result for us. But when you watch the game, we were a bit disappointed we didn't win that. Yep, definitely. And I think we'd, we'd, we were deservedly disappointed that we didn't win that because the performance was great. The Luxembourg game, we probably should have scored more, but in the end we did win 1-0. But across both games, you can see that the spirit in the camp is great at the moment. There was players, obviously we get hit with the, the John Fleck um, COVID stuff, which meant we lost a few of the players for that game as they were left behind as a precaution. The guys that came in stepped up. Nathan Patterson thought he played really well. Billy Gilmer thought he played really well. Turnbull, he, he played, these are the three guys that hadn't been capped before. They've all played really well in these games and they've given Steve Clark that headache. Now, my concern is that he goes with the tried and tested and the tried and tested is what was getting all those uh, good but not quite good enough results in the months previous. If we can, if he wants to take that chance and put Billy Gilmer in and put Nathan Patterson in and put David Turnbull in, that might be the thing that turns one point into three. And Aye. that and this group could make all the difference yeah. because if you're looking at third place, you might be playing the winner of Spain's group. If you're looking at second place, you might be playing another runner-up. In fact, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a runner-up for. Um, actually, I'm positive it's a runner-up for Spain's group. Group E. The and the nightmare scenario for me at the moment is to see Poland versus Scotland in the last sixteen. It's, 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 it's an odd one. This tournament. It's the first time since 1990 that I've had. Scotland at the tournament and a second chance when we, uh, the public are under it as well. And it's kind and of... Then, and then you've, aye, but your third chance this time is England by all accounts. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it's always Scotland and then Poland and then anyone but England, doesn't it? Aye. Um, aye, back in 1990, it was Ireland. And I must admit, I was a lot younger then, obviously, but I don't really remember <laughs> Ireland too much in that until Scotland were out. And then you kind of... Well, Ireland's big game and that was the penalty shootout against Spain. Um, which took them through the quarterfinal. You mean Romania? Romania, sorry. They played Spain. It was a penalty shoot against Spain. They knocked them out, wasn't it? Um, but aye, that was the big. That was the big thing for Ireland, and that's so. I remember. Aye, aye, sorry, that. Ireland aren't there, but don't Ireland. need to talk about. Ireland. They're not it's there, right. but and that, so I've got Scotland, and all my focus is in Scotland to the point that I actually forgot the tournament started on Friday because my. Focus- <laughs> Ah, you just think the tournament starts on Monday. Ah, right. as far as I'm concerned, the, 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 <laughs> I, I only, registered on, only registered to me tonight. That's when the big team start playing, aye. The other game in our group is on Sunday. You know the thought I had today, right? This is going to be Scotland's luck. We're going to qualify unbeaten, right? Qualify from the group and then get a big break of COVID and have to pull out. Well, no, no. The other so way, we don't even the play, flip we don't side, even play, the flip side, the flip side is we get through the group and then all the other teams get hit by COVID. <laughs> and Andy Roberts is lifting that trophy at Wembley <laughs> and oh. he's at a big, big lick to the whole 
the all Rangers fans that are there. If that happens, that will be the worst thing that can happen to us because any expectation will be we'll be all right and we'll make it our way to the final. And see the minute we've got any expectation on us, that's when we'll crash out the tournament. <laughs> People will answer against us, then we'll actually have a chance. Um, Ian and John, I don't think I heard from you in terms of where Scotland finishing. Well, hopefully getting through for the first time, getting through the group stages. I think the first game, the uh, Czech Republic game, that's really, really important. We've got to win that one. You know, that's our best chance of winning. Get off to a really good start. We've got the three points and then anything after that's a bonus. And hopefully we'll get through. And I, I can't help but think we're a hard team to beat. So anything could happen after that. But obviously just getting out of that stage is getting that. For that to happen, we'll all be in a high. And after that, no matter what happens, we'll be happy. Well, I'll be happy that we got out. But then I think we are in my chance. You know, anything could happen after that. Um, but definitely getting out of the stages and getting off to a, a, a nice wee victory. We need a few goals to get up to that five goals that I predicted. Well, I need five goals, Ian. No, I think goal five. Yeah, I thought I'd go five. You get bonus <laughs> So I thought if we got off to a really good start against the Czech Republic, and you know that will give us such a lift, uh, go down to Wembley, you yep. know, and then you know yourself for any Scotland player playing at Wembley, that in itself will be huge. It's the, you know, the Stuart uh, Armstrong redemption story at Wembley. That's what's happening. I've been criticised for so long about that. What happened? It's Stuart Armstrong's time off the bench, yeah. I think. And he's been playing well. He's been having some really good runs forwards for Scotland yeah. and. Looking good. So yeah, payback time, please, Stuart. Definitely, John. See, see before I give my prediction, I'm going for a restart my brush here with me today. Do you know that there's um, been no Scotland player um, that scored at yours that hasn't begun with the name Mick, because it's been McStay, McClare, McAllister, McCoy have been our four goal scorers. So no, it's like many. John McGinn no. is scoring five no. goals. No, I'm not having that. <laughs> Here he comes oh, with his own goal. He did not score at Euro 2092. <laughs> that was an own goal. He hit the post, it came back, hit Cardina and he hit him in. Oh, well, at least a Celtic player still scored. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm trying. I'm hoping this is a wee bit of reverse psychology because I've got Scotland finishing third in the group, but I've got as being one of the worst two, like Italian ninety, because I think we're going to draw the two games at Hamden. Oh, what? I hope I'm wrong. Fuck I'm hoping it's reverse psychology. Uh, no, no, John. Oh, come on. See, but, I think having watched the performances in the friendlies, I'm more encouraged that we'll actually um, win the first game, but. Steve, when you've been through so many years of disappointment, you have to keep your feet grounded at the same time. I'm trying not to get too optimistic in case I jinx this as well. So, yeah, I think we'll do well. I'll go on the fence. I'm comfy there. I think we'll do well at Hamden. So, I think we'll win the first game. Then we'll lose, unfortunately, at Wembley to some sort of flicky goal down there. But we'll score. So, it'll be 2 1 to England. And then we'll draw with Croatia. So I think we're going to go is third place because I think Croatia will get something in the England game, but it will be one of the best third place teams. And then, unfortunately, I think I've got us meeting Spain and getting packed out. And oh, we'll beat Spain easy if we were to play Spain. That's no problem. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So not to get Chris too excited, but we've had a few polls on Twitter. But yeah. not, of the, not of the Lewandowski and the likes of variety. Okay. So because um, I know you like the polls. So, a few polls that we did. The first one was probably, I think, a given in terms of who I thought would probably get picked. Who was going to be the keeper? David Marshall. I think we know now 
going by the Luxembourg game, which is pretty much, I think, close to what the team will be on Monday, Marshall starting. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I, but I still don't know because we did play with two up front against Luxembourg. So, I don't know how close that will be, but I, I would, I would fancy Marshall to win goal. See, I think we're going to go two up top, but we'll come on to that. Yeah. Uh, right wing back. Now, this is the one that splits opinion. Probably the podcast we've been talking about where a partisan should be in. Um, but we obviously kept calling for them to maybe be in the squad. The poll final is out 50 50. They cannot split or dawn on partisan. That is assuming that we don't try and go all guns blazing attack and Ryan Fraser or James Forrest as a right wing back. But I think we're of the opinion it'll be O'Donnell or Patterson, probably at right wing back. I think he'll age well, O'Donnell. Yeah. I yeah, think. Uh, and I don't think O'Donnell's let us down. O'Donnell's let us uh-huh. down. Um, so, I, I, think, I, I think since he came back, because um, obviously um, when he was at Kilmarnock, he didn't play particularly well for Scotland. But then when he got the move to Mother and then came back in October, when he was flung back in the team, he's been very good since then. And he did play his part in that goal in Serbia that Chris scores because it's his pressing that forces a mistake. Um, and he has improved. Um, I've obviously interviewed him for the Tartanam mm. magazine as well. He's a nice guy, but um, should he start? I'm not sure because Patterson looks so accomplished as well. Um, it's a tough call, that. But I'm happy with whatever one they pick. Yeah, good thing is Patterson's now got gate, uh, a gate. He's got a bit of minutes. He's got some minutes. He's not going into a tournament with no minutes. Um, and he showed what, what he's capable of as well. Um, the other thing is we did switch to a four. I would like to see him in a three just because on at Rangers he's played generally as a four. Um, just to see. Because sometimes full back and wing back can be weird different, um, obviously. So the other one's centre back. Centre back, I think, is the toughest area just now. I think it's been tough for a while, but actually now it's tough because I think we've got a wee bit of competition there in terms of they're all maybe adequate or slightly better than adequate. Tierney's obvious obvious Tierney's playing if he's fit. The other two positions always up for grabs, I think. So the right centre back spot, the majority of people went for Henry, which I think we've discussed is because he's more natural at bringing the ball forward. Do you think it will be Henry? I think so. Because Hanley started right, didn't he? The three on <laughs> Sunday. Hanley Hanley's played his old straight in there, I think, is is your other centre back alongside Tierney. Hanley's come back from nowhere. And although he's not been Fantastic. He's actually been he's been all right. He was caught out a couple of times. But um he comes in as your other centre half alongside Tierney and then it's which would be either Gallagher or Hendry. I think. See, I thought Hendry got caught out a couple of times in the Netherlands game. I can understand why you would play him on the right of the three. However, if we're maybe going to be that attacking down the left, do we maybe need to win more that's going to be Defensive, so that if and maybe we're going forward, we can't adapt and change to a four at times. Uh, with Tierney going out of position and different things like that. But you've got Cooper there as well, and I thought Cooper played quite well in his Luxembourg. I did as well. Yeah. Back, back hill clearances and all sorts. Two, two of. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that from a defender. Two back hill clearances in a game. On Joe, Cooper's, I think, uh, Scott, you've kind of been mentioning Cooper obviously over the season. Plays at Leeds on the Biesla, come to a possession. The only problem he's always got is because we've got that many left-footed centre-backs. Yeah, I, I, I would play Cooper as the kind of central one, but I think you'll go with Hanley, because uh, I think Hanley's very good at defending in the headers situations, both in our box and the opposition box. And I've just got a sneaky 
suspicion that he's going to have Hendry there as another kind of player that can play with it with the ball at his feet. So, um, but personally, I would have had Cooper in the centre, maybe Hendry to the right, just as a, as you say, have Tierney going up as much as possible, but then a bit more solid. Yeah, with the, the defenders. The balls went for Hendry and Hanley. That was a I, th- I think to be fair to Grant Hanley, I mean, we've all criticised him for years in the Scotland shirt and a lot of it's been justified, but in the games that Clark brought him back in March, Clark just said to him, just defend, you don't you don't need to bring out the ball, you don't need to worry about anything else, just defend, and you know, he did the job well, just that that's what Declan Gallagher does well when he plays for Scotland, for Motherwell he's not been great, but in the Scotland shirt he's just been told by Clark, defend, and that's all you need to do, and he's done it well, so mm-hmm. it's a, it's a Big call team winner they two, I think, for that middle centre-back, but I think it will be Hanley. There's plenty of leadership as well there, whoever plays, because obviously Hanley's captain of Norwich, Cooper captain at Leeds, Tierney has been captain before it. I think he's, did he captain Scotland once? I think maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's mm-hmm. captain yeah. Gallagher, has captained at Motherwell. McKenna has had the odd game captain at Aberdeen when he was there. Um, so there's plenty of leadership there, which is good. And, and Hendry's, Hendry's pretty folk in the dressing room if you've seen the video. I was just going to say the one defender that hasn't played his seven-year contention is McKenna. I thought he looked like a bomb scare um, in that right. game against Holland. Um, I think uh, he's well down the petting order now after, as we mentioned earlier, he was probably a first-choice centre-back 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah. But it's good that we've actually got these options because, you know, j- just a few years ago, we were really struggling for any centre-back to really give us any hope. So to have these kind of options where we can bring in Gallagher or we can bring in Cooper or whoever, and, you know, we all seem to think that they'll do all right, apart from possibly McKenna. Yeah, but that's a, a great st- stage for us to have reached, I think. And I still think it was harsh that we left Constantine at home. So yeah, we, we, even what we have picked from, there's more to pick from after that. He might have been a better shout than Greg Taylor, just for his versatility, I think. Maybe. But I think Taylor deserved his call up. I think Taylor gets a lot of criticism. I think most of it's because um he's not Kieran Tierney. Um he's a very he's a very good player. And you know, people say why if we get three left backs in the team, well Tierney's one of the centre backs, so you need another left back and get some hamster Robertson. And I think Taylor I'll I'll stick up for him. I think he deserves his place. My only issue with Taylor, I think Taylor's a, a deep, very decent left back, and if he was playing every week for Celtic, I would have no problem with him. Or if he was playing every week for Kilmarnock, I would have no problem with him being in the squad. It's the the kind of lack of games, you know. It seems to affect other players getting into the squad, and then he's, you know, if, if we're if we're looking at it, um, kind of very critically, it's almost as if he's uh, Steve Clark's love child, and that's why he gets in every single squad because that's probably a bit know, harsh. I think he's someone that Clark just knows he can depend on. But exactly, yeah. no, of course, the teacher's pet is, is a football manager, but that's because he does know he can depend on him, and he knows what he'll give him every single time, which is fine. But you know, if you look at uh, Doig at um, Hibs, you know, if you're talking about playing well and we're, we're happy to have young players in the squad, then he's kind of unfortunate that. He's not there as our kind of second choice left back. Um, we've got to assume that Tomini is playing midfield definitely, unless Clark decides, right, let's go back to that. I don't think he will, especially with the no. fact that Jack's out, McLean's out. So down a poll we ran, McGinn and McTominay are shoeing's midfield. Definites. Who is yep. the other midfield player? So is it McGregor? Is it Gilmer? Is it Turnbull? Is it Christie? I'm discounting John Fleck, partly because of COVID, but he's generally been a sub. Anytime he's played for yeah. Scotland. 
So, have you guys seen the results of the poll or not? And how do you think the poll might have went? I think the poll would have went with Gilmore. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Overwhelming thought went with Gilmore. Um, so, earlier on when I checked it, about an hour or so ago, it was 72%. Yeah, 72% have gone for Billy Gilmer um, to be in the team. Do we think Clark will be bold and put him in instead of McGregor? No, I think it with McGregor that's in there, and that's a yeah. Because uh, I would go with Gilmer too, or I would go with Turnbull. One of the two. I would not go with McGregor because I don't think his I don't think his form's been good enough. It wasn't yeah. good enough for Celtic. He hasn't done anything for Scotland in the last few games either. Yeah. The thing is, when it comes to how I would look at it, if I was managing the team, is McGregor has just been played so much. And it's as if both Celtic and Scotland are trying to play him into form and it's actually having the adverse effect. Whereas I would go against the Czechs, who I think personally are probably our greatest chance of a victory. Go with Gilmore, get that energy, that confidence, keep the ball against the Czechs at Hamden. And then probably the, the game that's most vital will be Croatia. Have McGregor rested for the first two games and then bring him in for his experience in that game and see and, and do it that way but I think Clark will go with McGregor from the from the start with that, that's maybe the big thing is experience because we've not exactly got a vastly experienced squad so that's probably why Clark's playing McGregor I think if he does play though Gilmore at least now has shown I'm coming off the bench I'm going to make an impact and I'm, I'm going to make it bloody difficult for you to leave me out Gilmore is young enough that he doesn't. He's still young enough. He doesn't have that fear, so he'll, he'll try a thing or two that other players might not because they're a bit more experienced. Yeah. And if you listened to Craig Brown earlier, he said he he looked back at the the playoff game with England where we beat them at Wembley and said that Barry Ferguson was the best player on the park, and a part a big part of that was because of his kind of inexperience because he just thought I don't care who I'm up against. I'm just going to go on the ball and dictate things. And Gilmore could do the exact same job. Ian, Donald, Tony, what do you guys think? I think he'll start McGregor. If he does, um, the pressure's all on him because the the, the on McGregor or on Clark on well pro- probably both. Um, but forgot for sticking by him um, when he's been so out of form, and obviously. Maybe not so much in our media at the moment, but certainly through the fans and social media, the clamour for Gilmer to be in the squad is is peaking. And and McGregor, McGregor will probably know that, um, that he's going to have to go out there and, and play. And if he doesn't, and we don't come away with anything, or even if we do come away with anything, but McGregor has been poor, then the clamour will be there again to get Gilmer in the team. But I think he'll start, McGregor. Ian? But like everyone else, every time I've seen Billy Gilmore play, he's been absolutely outstanding. You know, he's been electric. And Turnbull as well, he's looking exciting. So I'd like, I've always thought it'd be a lot of managers stick to the players that got them there. And there's a bit of loyalty. And I think we're all saying McGregor's not been in form. So I'd love it to be bold in the first game. You know, get Gilmore in there. That'd be absolutely, you know, outstanding. I think yeah, I keep yeah. looking back to the World Cup a long time ago, right? <laughs> 78. Oh, we were, 78, what a year. Right, we were going to win the World Cup. We were going to win the World Cup. And uh, Ali McCoy... going to give us a song. <laughs> yeah, we were on the match. <laughs> but, you know what? I always remember, at that young, very young age I was, 
that he stuck with Ria and Masson instead of bringing in Sunis and Gemmel and then against Holland with these new informed players. And I think if the players are informed like Billy Gilmer is, play him. Play him. Because McGregor does look tired. He's been tired for a while and he's played so many games for Celtic over the last few seasons. You know, obviously he's got the experience and obviously he's a great player. But I would just like, you know, something exciting to happen in that first game. Yeah, Tony. And if, Gilmer, and if oh, any reason Gilmer started and he was out of touch with that, then you've got McGregor to bring on. Yeah. Done that way, as opposed to the other way around. So I'm going to be slightly different. Um, no so that there was a name, but there was a name I should say as well. Actually, uh, one of the names earlier I, I, I mixed up. It wasn't Christie I had there. It was uh, Armstrong. Who Armstrong played well against the Netherlands. Thought it was really good. Yeah. So I think he'll play McGregor. Um, but I wouldn't have McGregor. I, I personally have Armstrong in the team. Um, I think Gilmer's a great player. I think he's, he's got a lot going and everything. I think he's, he's going to be fantastic. I think maybe this is a tournament too early for him. Just I, I would like to see him have a bad game in a, in a qualifier and then get over it. I wouldn't like to see him have a bad game in an actual tournament oh, and then him lose a wee bit of confidence in himself. Yeah, that pressure. And then his confidence goes... And, you know, because we've only really seen him play the one game, half an hour, in the actual Scotland setup. So it worries me that we're just kind of flinging him straight into the midfield and, like, he's our saviour and he's going to be the man that's going to run that midfield, boss that midfield. And I'm not saying that he couldn't do it. I'm not saying that he couldn't do that. I'm just saying that I would be worried if he had a really ba- bad game against somebody, say somebody, like, say the Czech Republic, Mark, had somebody tight on him, marked him out of the game, never get involved, and then people started to go, well, you know what, well, maybe we shouldn't have him in the team is too young, whilst the tournament's going on. Um, I would I would like to see him personally have a qualifying campaign behind him, and then, obviously, try that way. But that's just my personal opinion. I, know, I can understand your point there. The thing I think is, I think I think we all probably agree, and we think he will go with the McGinn, McTominay, McGregor. Mm. However, I'm thinking back to 2016 Portugal. Renato Sanchez, who was a, one of the stars of the tournament, he started on the bench, came off the bench, and went on to be, I think he won the, whoever the young player of the tournament is. Gilmer's got that potential to do that, mm. um, come off the bench and make that impact, which we, we've seen. The fact as well, we've seen as well him playing big games at Chelsea. He's not played much for Chelsea, but he's been trusted in big games and hasn't looked out of place. Um, the thing that strikes me as well is the time he gets on the ball. Like, for a young guy, his game awareness is terrific. He's got a good burst of pace, passing range. We've seen as well, he wasn't scared to have a shot on uh, Sunday as well. Made the keeper work, I think, every time. So I don't think he'll start, but I think he can have an impact in the tournament. I also think slightly differently from Tory in the sense that he would get a lot more leeway, and I think Steve Clark would get a lot more leeway if things didn't go right straight away because he was brave and he picked Gilmore. And then Gilmore, you know, will get, I think, people will back him, even if he doesn't have a great first game, because they, everybody knows he's only 19, everybody knows he's not had that many minutes on the pitch. I don't think, you know, while there's a clamour to, to see him play, I, I don't think they're expecting him to then become world-class overnight. So uh, I, I you say that, but I think, uh, I think, you know what we're no, like? 
We've hyped up that many players in the past. Mm-hmm. Our teenagers are going to be the next best thing, whereas... But no, but none of them... happened. But none of them played in a tournament that early. I think that's the difference. I think we've not played a tournament anybody since 1998 in the, t- the men's team. So I think he would get a wee bit more of a leeway if he played this tournament. Maybe not in the, qualifi- the qualifiers after this, but, you know... I. I I don't think it would. I don't think it would have a spectacularly bad game anyway. But I, I think he would get a, a wee bit more because of his age and because of his inexperience. If he were to have a disappointing game, I don't think it would be all over him. Yeah, we'll move on to up top. Or oh, sorry, the well, I want to say something quickly. The only thing I was going to say is similar, almost in a way, to when in England in World Cup '98 when they had the sharing own debate and they started with sharing in the first couple of games. There was a clamour throw and he scored against Romania and then they brought him and they starting lineup and you saw how well he ended up doing. Um, not saying that this is going to be the exact same, but you just never know. But I think it will be McGregor. I, th- I think the other thing that well, well, Tony kind of touched on it about playing Armstrong in there instead of McGregor, and I think Armstrong has the benefit of he's a club teammate of Adams. So if you play Adams up front, you've you can't discount that club mentality as well. So when you've got the the the, the club linking up, uh, the, the two players from the same club linking up in the, the national team, that can work to your benefit as well. Obviously, that's not the case if you play McGregor in there. Um, but, but if you play Armstrong, but the problem, that's, there's a good link up there. The problem I've got with Armstrong playing is that you then don't get the best out of McGinn. And McGinn's yeah. the most talismanic figure in terms of getting goals and busting forward and stuff. So that was, you know, I, mean, I love Armstrong, but I think McGinn's, I would want McGinn to have that kind of freedom to roam forward rather than Armstrong. Aye, right. Yeah. We'll, move, we'll move up top, whether it's going to be two up top or a one off one. What do we think? Shea Adams now seems to be number one striker, I think. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a case of is it an actual two up top like we seen on Sunday, or is it a Christie or Fraser off a main striker, which we've seen. I think, I think Fraser will start off the bench because he's not played much for Newcastle, and I think that's a terrific asset to have off the bench. Fraser, as we seen on Sunday, I thought he was terrific when he came on, crosses in the box, and he was he was meeting targets. It wasn't like he was putting in useless balls. Like every ball he put into the box connected with someone. Um, Christie. I think just because of his form with Celtic at the end of the season wasn't that great, but Scott under the clock, he's been a key player. I think it also depends on how he's going to play. If he's wanting to play, say, against the Czechs and he wants to stretch their defence, he might go with like a Forrest or Fraser with um, Adams up front, just so there's someone running around stretching him. If he wants to try and get good balls in, then he'll go with the two. I think it'll probably be Dykes um, as, as a partnership. That's where I think he'll come out. I, I, I don't think he'll have a strike force in mind for each game. I think he might have a different strike force for each game because of the way he'll maybe want to play against the defence. Because I, I think the Croatian defence is quite an old defence, so I could see them doing that, playing a Forrest or a Fraser with Adams up front just to kind of tire that defence out. Um, whereas the England game, I can imagine them going for um, um, Dykes and Shea Adams up front. You think so? So I, uh, I think you've given us every combination there, just a bit, Tony. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's fair enough because I think mm-hmm. we're in the position here, much as Clark. What do you do? And it will be different courses, for different horses for different courses. I think 
mm. in the games. Do we think it's a two up top? Other guys, Ian, Donald. I, I, I think it's only one. You think it's only um, one? I think he'll go. I think he'll go Dykes. Although I'd rather see Adams up front, but then who do you play off Adams? As, as Chris and Scott have said, I think that the Armstrong connection there would be fantastic. But then you're losing the McGinn factor. Well, so you're thinking an extra midfielder as opposed yeah. to maybe a Christie or a, a Freider. Yeah. Or a Forrest, even. So I'm kind of discounting Forrest again because he's not played much for. Would he go? Clark will not go into a major tournament altering um, the, the, the dynamics and the, and the setup of the team quite a little bit to say play McGinn and Armstrong and, and Adams up front, um, as well as McTominay and, and McGregor. I can't see that happening, although I'd maybe like to see it been tried to see if it would work, but it's obviously not going to work in the first game of a major tournament. So you go after Dykes, Dykes and Christie, maybe. I don't I really don't know, honestly. Up front's where I think it's the major problem. It's not no a problem as such, but it's whether do you do go the two, do you who do you go the one and one off? Do you go the two different types of strikers that you've got? I just kind of see them playing Dykes and Adams. I thought it worked well on Sunday. I know Dykes missed a few chances, but I think the Americans have a really good partnership. We're talking about getting balls into the box. The the two of them were getting on the end of a lot of these balls. Um, Just Dykes, just did he have his shooting boots or his shooting head on? Because he had a few headed chances as well. But there's a partnership in the making there, I think, for the two of them. I think he could start that, though, because Adams um, will not just stick right alongside Dykes. I think he will come back um, a bit and help out the midfield and, and link up that way, because I think I don't think Adams is one that you play up front in his own, but I think you'd play him like, off the main number nine, which will likely be Dykes, who's a good target man to have. Um, and with regards to Forrest and Fraser, their options from the bench, as far as I can see, because we might not even stick with the three. We showed against Israel that we can change to four to three one again, and they two would be good to come on and throw a lot of balls in the box for Dykes and Adams to um, get on the end of if um, we need a goal. See, I think, I think Tony might be right in the sense of I think he'll make change the attack depending on the opposition but I think against the Czechs I think that was what the Luxembourg game was for us was a kind of test for that so I think he will start two up front as John says I think Adams will go out wide and back for you uh, I think that's what he does for Southampton and Dykes will be the kind of battering ram almost for people putting crosses in and stuff. And then Adams will get in around the kind of any flick-ons or rebounds. So I, I think he'll start with both up front. Chris? I like you. I thought the... It, it seems odd to say it, given that they kept missing chances. But I thought that Adams and what uh, Dykes' partnership worked quite well. If, I'm, I'm, my hope is that was them getting it out of their system. Um, and they're going to save another goals for the, the Euros um, I don't think he's going to do it though I think it's probably going to be someone off of likely Adams um, what a, again this might be one that I don't entirely agree with Clark on but I wouldn't be surprised if he puts Christie in there he's got important goals for under Clark that's a thing that's it, yeah, I, mean, him. I think Christie will start against England aye possibly and I think that's another, I mean, to, to Tony's point, and you backed up as well. I think it will be a case we'll see the, the team changing for uh, each game. 
to try and match up what we want to, how we want to play against those oppositions. And it's good that we've got that option as well. And I don't think Steve Clark's the kind of guy that will just continue to try whatever it is. If it's not working, he'll change it. And he's got the players that will let him change the system. Bringing, bringing Jay Adams has obviously made him been a, a, a big success and made it because we could have been getting into this game with, literally just with Lyndon Dykes as your number one and then Kevin Nisbet maybe back then if Adams had turned around and said no, that he wasn't going to play for us, we'd have been really struggling. Now we've got those two and then you've got the guys like Forrest and Fraser and that and obviously the, the options are playing off someday up front. Having that now has been is, is a big boost. Yeah, I mean, we spoke spoke earlier as well about guys with confidence. Kevin Nesbitt is full of it, uh, but in a good way. Like he says, yeah. I, I want to get a goal as early as possible for Scotland, and there's no many better nations you can get it against the Netherlands. He's the question for me because I think Nesbitt is another one of those guys that showed, like, here's your chance, go and take it, and he snatched yeah. it straight away. Yeah. I think I think you might find him coming on as a sub at some point. <laughs> That's my thinking. Is he'll use him as a sub? Yeah. It's just five subs, five subs they're going for the new Euro, so there is that option. I suppose it'll just depend what maybe Clark sees as his first change in terms of how the game's going. Because um, Fraser, again, Fraser scored important goals under Clark, and there's someone that can offer something a wee bit different. Um, so it's good, good options we've got. Um, when you consider again, we were looking not maybe a year and a half ago and thinking, what have we got up front? We've not got much up front. We've found Dykes through grandparents, Shea Adams again. Nesbitt's just improves all the time. Every every step up he takes, he gets better. Fraser, Christie, goals. There's goals in the team. We've maybe not got an out-and-out goal scorer in the team, but we do have goals in the team. That's what we're missing, Griffiths. That's it. Whatever happens, you know, if it's not been fit or whatever, he's, been, he's going to be a big miss, I think. Uh, being an out-and-out goal scorer, but um, I think Dykes and Adams are just going to be desperate to get these goals. You know that. You know that I think they're just going to be rearing to go. And if they play up front, and I think I've got this feeling it's going to come off for them. I just hope they're not too desperate for goals. Yeah, yeah, but I think they'll be playing that last game over, thinking right, this is going to be it. See, the only my only slight concern I've got about Dykes. See, with more experienced defenders and all that temperament, is there maybe a slight question about discipline in terms of maybe at the, the top level? Because he's got that kind of gallus about him that you kind of feel someone could wind him up and something could happen. I don't know. If I'm know he, to, to be fair, if you think about international football, Zidane did it in a World Cup final, so do you know what I mean? it's kind of unpredictable. It's not Zidane, I, mean, I think, no, had a bit of that in him. No, though. he did, they 100, 100% did, but you know, it, it, it could just take something just like that, and anybody can snap. Do you know what I, mean? I, I, I wouldn't say that he's more prone to it than anybody else in the Scotland squad, to be honest. I mean, Tommy's probably the one that I would be more worried about with that sort of thing. Ah, and Sunday, it's it's off. a bit tasty, did not it? Yeah, but you know he's a passionate boy, and I wouldn't want to take that out of him at the same time. So it's just, you know, I I don't think you know I would I wouldn't be worried about the temperament of anybody in the squad. To be honest, very good. Right, I'm going to quickly hand over to John, who has got a bit of a, a quiz for us. Yeah, so, so we've I got hope you've ten quick work. Not done any homework since leaving school. Yeah, so Did you do just get ten... that school, Scott. No, I didn't have homework at school. 
Right, I've just got 10 quick questions, so um, just shout out your answers. Um, the first buzzers. three are... Be- what? Players. You could all have a player each as your buzzer. <laughs> or a Scotland song. I just... answer by a Scotland song. <laughs> Someone <laughs> pressing, don't come home too soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then put that in the bin. Right, so the first three are all related to um, Scotland at Euros. Um, so the first question... So, remembering Andy Rocks with squad numbers by caps, which player won, wore number nine at Euro 92? Spencer. Oh, no, 92. Uh, number nine. Are we just shouting these out, or are we... Shout it out, yeah, and I'll tell <laughs> you the answer at the end. Stuart McKinney, was it not? Anyone else get an answer to that? That's, I was going to say Stuart McKinney, Scott. Uh, <coughs> it was... One of the defenders, I'm sure, because obviously McCoy's was he not five? Uh, McStay was three. Was McStay three? Aye. Oh, but I'm number three. Dave McPherson was number eight. Aye. It was some really strange ones. <laughs> so, num- number two. Um, how many players played every minute in all six of Scotland's European Championship matches in 92 and 96? Just the one. Two. No, no, did Boyd get dropped? I'm thinking McCoy, McCall and Boyd, but... I just need a number. Um... <laughs> I mean, Scott, Scott's doing his workings. Scott, see if, you, if you're doing your work. I know. It's finally around the names, but I'd need to, I just need the num- um, number. I'll say two. Then. Two. I'd say two. two. Anyone else get a guess? I'll say three. Oh, three, Gorham. Not Leighton. Gorham, never. I did, I, Gorham did. Gorham put three. Ian. Three, Ian, you put the players right as well. It was three, it was Gorham, McCall and McAllister. Oh, bonus points for the bandit. That's why they call you the Barrack Bun Bandit. Question three. Which player went to Euro 92, Euro 96 and France 98 but never get a minute's action? Oof. Hold on. 92. 96 and 98. See, so he was in every squad but never got on the pitch. Oh. He never got on the pitch. Okay. Brian Gunn, somebody like that, a goalkeeper. Jim Leighton. No, he oh, played France the France. Oh, France, actually, that's fuck's sake. He's shite. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and he wasn't in Euro 92 either. Uh, Did he get a, was he a sub? Or was he just in the. Well, he was in the pool of 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Tosh McKinley? Every tournament. Three. No, it wasn't Tosh McKinley. He played in a couple of games, remember? Uh, <coughs> 92. Derek White? Oh, get, who said that? What was oh, it? aye. Who said that? Derek White. Derek yeah. White. Well done. Who said oh, that was his Donald? Donald's in, I was Donald's. Yeah, well done. Superb. So what, the next three relate to... The Oracle Chain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's your new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> the Oracle Chain. So the next three relate to... Delayed Euro 2020. So out of the 11 host cities, how many, do, how many don't feature an agent who's qualified? Two. Does that include Ireland? No. They're no longer part of the 11. I think two. Three. Azerbaijan and Romania. Two. Two. Bucharest and Baku. And as Donald says, Romanian, Azerbaijan. Yeah. Um, Number five. Scotland were one of four Nations League playoff winners 
Name the other three. Hungary. No. North Slovak- Macedonia. Slovakia, North Macedonia. Yeah. Getting right involved. You've done your homework, John. Yeah. Hungary, Slovakia, <laughs> North Macedonia. You've seen prison break. See my wall here. It's like prison break. I've got notes all over the place. <laughs> oh, you should know this next one then. Um, what two sides are making their tournament debut? North, North Macedonia, Finland. Yep. North Macedonia and Finland, it is indeed, that was easy. So the next three, I hope you've been reading the famous Tartanam magazine, because the next three relate to that. Um, so, first of all, in what, what country did Laura Brannan's backpack burst all over the airport conveyor belt? France. I'm going to say, uh, I read as well, I'm going to guess Holland. Kazakhstan. <laughs> so Ian, is Ian, Ian, if you don't it? know this, you're in trouble, you're the editor. Aye, you're the editor. <laughs> Republic, I'll guess. I'll let you through it. Uh, can you give me a minute? <laughs> I'll let you through it. Ah, you read that. <laughs> oh, terrible. Is it when she made that massive journey back from via. It's, 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 that's right. Just say, yeah, John, please. I, she, I, she <laughs> went to. Um, <laughs> she went to Georgia for the game and then they flew through somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and that yes. right. You start, right. The answer is Ukraine. Oh, oh close. Uh, I can tell you a story about Ukraine. <laughs> um, question eight. Um, what Tartanami group features in the magazine? I know that one. Uh, famous, famous Tartanami. <laughs> <laughs> the one with a uh, fish ladder. <laughs> It's the oh. name of a town. <laughs> a fish ladder as well. Peterhead. Close to it, it began with a P. Pit Lockery. Pit Lockery. Yes, oh, Pit Lockery. Oh, yeah, because the fish ladder, unfortunately. Tony, are you keeping uh, Scott? Are you keeping scores there? No, I'm just tapping my pen. And I've made a wee t- like, team. Oh, I made a wee team. Yeah. made a team, alright, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, question nine. Jim McCallier features promoting his new book, but what is it called? This is well, but I can't remember. Uh, I'm Jim McCallier. <laughs> Wembley wins and Wembley woes. That's it, Ian. Yep. Good job you're reading it. Yeah, they only just got He's just checked it just now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him looking. <laughs> I know that his wife woke up and went, the name of the book? And that's she came out with the title. Did you interview him, Ian? I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really good speaking to him. And... That's why I know the answer. <laughs> but, but thinking about Wembley, he went to Wembley in his very first cap and scored against the world champions. And he was young, youngest player on the team. And that's why I'm thinking, give players a chance. You know, like we're just talking about there just now. Uh, you know, and he he stepped up to the mark that day. So, yeah. He's a hero for life. Um, And the last question. So, in a recent Good Luck Scotland video, who is seen sporting a Yes Sir, I Can Boogie t-shirt? Colin McCready. Well done. Was it Chris 1 or Chris 2? No, I was (laughs) wrong. Scott was a photo. (laughs) Pull 
Do you know the word, it worked, you did brilliant, Chris, but it would have worked so much better had you had a different top for the 98 one. Do you forget the 98 top? That would have been the top. I was up in the attic before I did that. Try to find one. And, no, must be gone. Talking of tops, what's your favourite Scotland top? Euro 96. Aye, I'm the same. Euro 96 was always my favourite one. Yeah, the top. one I had. I did have it. I'm either France 98 or the one I'm wearing tonight, the Italian 91. 82. Although I like the current one. I really like the current one. 86. 86, aye. 86 is mm. for me. The first Adidas one we had in the, what was it, 2010 or something? Yeah. Watched over there, that was a cracker as well. I had uh, the one had the big badge and printed in the middle. Aye. Oh, I remember. The waist strips would be the Diodora one, you know, the, the silk tire, but kind of. Uh, the light blue the Paris one. Paris, 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 Paris top. Paris top, aye. Actually, the Argentina one with the umbrella bit going down the side was advantage. Oh, and I've got to say, I think it's a big mistake the prices these tops now because everybody should be wearing tops now. We kids should be out wearing them. Yeah, yeah. They're pricing people out, and it's just it's mental. Oh. I seen well, the Sam Pat. On you go, John. I was just going to say, Sam Arterface was saying that um, clubs in England um, shouldn't be making a profit in a football show. That was a what very great market. I, I, I totally agreed with him on that one. That was a brilliant idea. I think yeah, I've managed it... to buy three retro tops for the price of uh, the, the current top. Yeah, I've been buying independent t-shirts, you know, that Billy Cornley wearing the Euro 96 top and stuff yeah. like that. But it's funny, you could go into, and I won't ne- mention the, the, the shop, but you go into a famous uh, sports uh, shop that will sell you various foreign teams that are taking part in the Euros for Discounted prices, but the Scotland Scotch, the Scotland strip still full price. Aye. Here, here's one right up here. We can get the England top. I'm pretty sure in the shops. I was in England recently, and you, there was no option to get a Scotland top. And uh, and the and yeah, that was in the, that was in a, a shop that's closely linked to Scotland. If you know what I mean. Tried to do, but I don't. That doesn't bother me. I mean, but we would sell we sell the England top, don't we? Generally in shops up here. Well, there's Rangers fans up here, mm-hmm. about Yeah, well, it's good. There's unfortunately. We're trying to keep clubs. Don't <laughs> no, no talk of clubs here. I've definitely record to stop punting that guy that's saying he wants to support Scotland and he's making a really loud noise about it. Aye, that was ridiculous. Oh, I was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Each to their own, I suppose, but just before a tournament, you know what I mean? The first time we're in there in years and years. And you get that for like your national newspaper. Well, the score draw stuff's good, I think. That's the stuff I've got is the score draw. What were you going to say there, Ian? Sorry. I don't think papers should be promoting that. You know, like one person saying he's not going to support Scotland. You know, forget that. That's a non story. You know, give me. The problem is that we're talking about it and then they get the tweets and they know that the people will then. Look at it and moan about it, so that's you know, it's clickbait essentially, and that's what yeah. happens. It's like people jumping on Jamie O'Hara's back whenever he makes a point. I mean, who doesn't yeah. do Jamie O'Hara? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but just go back to that bit about the talks. It's such a shame that they're so expensive. I reckon they should be right down in price, and everyone should I mean that's a bigger promotion for the Scotland national team than trying to make more money out of a talk. You know, I think it's just ridiculous. Hopefully, hopefully, the see that the sales are not that high and in the future they'll get their act together with that no, but the, the, the thing is unfortunately what happens is we get a few days before the tournament 
and people just buckle and pay the, the, I mean, how many times you watch Twitter and say, oh, I've caved in and I've bought the top. Uh, I, I've seen more and more people as each day gets closer to Monday and they've went and bought either the home or the way top or both. I don't know. I think people are more prone now to buy either replica tops. Because it's Tony, cheaper. Tony, have, you, have you fallen asleep the last five minutes? We've been talking about that. What's that? No, no, but that's what I'm saying. That, that, that's what I'm saying. That more people are prone to buy the replica tops and going out now and buying the actual main strip nowadays, which I think is good to be honest with you. Because back in the day, when you used to be a school and you had to, like a strip that was maybe a season two, um, two, two seasons too old, you used to get slagging. But now you can wear like a strip for, like 40 years ago and everybody's like tremendous. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, I, think, I think that's right. Yeah. Well. Mm. Uh, talking of strips, need to mention you've got a chance with our partnership with Manscaped to strip the hair off your boss with a lawnmower three. Get the lawnmower three for precision trimming, precision tools for your crown jewels. Hmm. Keep it clean. Keep it fresh. Give the misses a treat. It can be used by the missus as well if you want, but if you are, don't be sharing. Sure, it doesn't have to. COVID. One or the other. One or the other. <laughs> doesn't have to be a missus, should it be a mister as well? No. It, it could be womanscaped. And we can't talk about Brazilians this week because it's the Euros. Salt tyres. Salt tyres all the way. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the worst thing is about you've been practising that? I just came to you there. <laughs> Tony, Tony. You've been making this all tired, didn't you? Can you see the chat, right? <laughs> so, uk.manscape.com, 20% off with SFF podcast in capital letters. You've got the Weed Whacker, the Lawnmower 3, Ball Deodorant, all sorts. Sort yourself out. I hope the pubic salt is not going to be the next Twitter hashtag. The pubic what? <laughs> <laughs> Ian's wondering what's going on because at least the rest of us know about this. Ian's going to do it, and he's going on here. What have I got myself involved in here? We've got a wee partnership, a wee sponsorship. So if you know anyone that's looking for some grooming products, you can use it in your face, you can use it anywhere, you can use it in the shower. I just wish you'd sit down and stop showing me a salt air. Here, you wish you were seeing my salt air. It's massive. No need to model it. I've even I've even uh, dyed it blue because the the greys the, the whites already there when um, the age um, um but I've dyed the rest with blue so it's fine. So you call it your London dykes then, eh? My London dykes, eh? Um, so yes. As, as long as I don't start showing you my pole. <laughs> That's not to the second round. You, like, <laughs> you, know, you know what the flag's like? You know what the flag's like? Manscaped to make sure you don't have a red bottom. We don't, we don't see your pole until Scotland are at the Euros, Chris. Um, so I so I get involved anyway. Um, another thing, it might be fantasy football for Scotland to be in a tournament, but we've got our own fantasy football league set up for the Euros. I hope you're all involved. Oh, I need to join her. You do need to join it. Tony, yeah. I've been looking for your name. Can I see it? Um, I'll get it on the night. Aye. Put that in your homework diary. Take Scott's. Take Scott's because he doesn't use it. The homework diary. Okay. So, it's through the Euro 20 website. If you go onto our Twitter, at SFF Podcast, it's the pinned tweet at the top of our profile. Uh, and we've got a wee sponsorship for it as well. So, the Scottish brand Supernova Terrace Wear. 
are going to donate a prize for the winner and it's any item off their website. Great products. I've got a couple. I've got their a wee bucket hat, which is ideal for going abroad for the Euros. See that there? I've got a wee t-shirt, so aye, it's good. See that on the audio podcast? Yes, good one, John. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) See that? It's an audio podcast unless we're putting this on YouTube. Might put out out for a wee bit of advertising. I'm getting all sorts of people asking me, put the visuals out, put the visuals out. Just for for the listeners, just think of Ivan De La Pena putting on a bucket hat. And then you're kind of already yeah, Ivan Della Pena. Bring someone up. Scott from the younger generation. 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 Scott from the so I get involved in fantasy football, prizes to be won, plenty of fun in the fun house. Well, that was the twins. We're over age, and that's what I remember. This is the thing. See, Josh's giants. We're talking how it's 23 years since Scotland was last at a tournament. How many of us could actually have a drink legally? I could drink in the pub. Yeah, likewise. This is enough. This tournament, and I can't even go to home. Well, good luck. Good luck. I'm still in secondary school. So I just I finished school. I can still. What are you saying? Aye, wait until you know. Who are you talking to? You, Scott. Wait, was uh, 14. Aye, brother. So that's, I was going to say, it's legal. It's legal, legal brother. Either legal or brother. Rugby is legal. <laughs> well, I can assure you, at the last competition, I got very, 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 very drunk. Tell us yeah, about the party that. in Bordeaux. That's what we want to know because well, the whole nation has seen it on yeah. Mr. Brown's boys last night. Don't kid on you can't remember because your pal was saying it was memorable. It was actually Bordeaux because the opening game against Brazil was a biggie. But it was a kind of corporate as well. But we managed to blag us. Well, five of us blagged our way into it. I don't, still don't know how we managed that. I think tickets. One the guy the oh, yeah. Got in. But Bordeaux was just the party, just after the game, everywhere you went, there was like parties going on. It was just one of the best, best ever parties, basically. And I know they put an advert in the Daily Record, Bordeaux, Carton Army and everything like that. So it was just, what a night, from what I can remember. And we've only just uncovered the 20, <laughs> for 23 years, the Barnet one four, the boys who took the flag, I've been meaning to get together to watch the video for 23 years. <laughs> Because of that TV programme, we actually got together and watched it for the first time. Our first time all, all of us have been together as well. Uh, I'm watching that video. couldn't remember half of it. <laughs> Surprising. <laughs> were you, so were you, were, you on the, were you on the bevy with Ewan McGregor and Sean Connery? Well, we missed all that. And that was, uh, we did go to the Old Alliance. I think it was the night before Macaulay and McCoy were doing a TV show. Yeah. yeah. There was that incident, famous incident as well. The assault. Uh, we got there the next day and the place was, I'm not saying it was trash, it was just chaos. But, Wait, yeah. did you meet your twin? Rod the Mod. I didn't. Then <laughs> 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 twin you're talking about. Uh, no. 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 
I'm just glad I went to that opening game because that's been my, that's my equivalent of the World Cup final. Aye, that's massive. I, like I'm gutted I can't get there on any of the games. I never get tickets for any of them. I, I can't imagine many people have managed to get tickets in Leicester very high up in terms of membership. Are you getting any tickets for the games, Ian? I've got one for the Wembley once I'm heading down to Wembley. Yeah, oh, that's, that's alright. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Anyone else managed to get a ticket for anything? Uh, two taken yep. off me. Two taken off yeah. you? Oh. Yeah, I had tickets and then obviously they all changed, so two tickets. Was it for Hamden or was it for uh, Baku? For Hamden. Uh, Baku was my second choice. Oh, yeah, I thought so. Because <laughs> it reminded me, it reminded me of Rutherford. Is that Baku? <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, did you know? Wait a minute, can we just have a bit, a bit of silence for Chris's joke there, please? So that I don't get the worst joke in the podcast from early on. Quite a few, um, I've saw quite a few tickets. There's a Facebook group page I'm on. Um, I think I've saw four already for the Croatia Czech Republic game at Hamden. Again, is this good for your, this, your, your accreditation? <laughs> <Is> this... <laughs> Basically, I, is it a case of if you want a ticket, remortgage your house? Is it that? Aye, aye. aye. It's all, it's all, it's all guys for Europe. Like it's obviously they're not coming over. They've, they've got tickets, but they're not coming. So oh, how can they? How, why can't they make it? I don't know. Just... They just obviously can't come. They're no. Um, so they're, 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 up, they're, up, they're up for sale uh, at various prices. Various prices. So is this you selling them, and then we're going to get these tickets with Leanne Crichton's name on them? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Cleary or Mary Walton. <laughs> Um, um, I've got a ticket for the Czech game. Oh, courtesy of I mean, one of our recent guests. Oh, I knew that would come come to fruition for you at one point. I was not. Ex- I wasn't expecting it. So um, you know, um, you know how we we're supposed to have Dave McPherson on last week. Well, Dave withdrew like, um, before bank call the weekend. So I asked um, author of the that France night book, um, Neil Thomas, to come on. He came on. He was a great guest. I sent him a thank you message um, on Twitter and Friday for coming on and because he came across well on the podcast as well. And he replied, thanks very much for having me on, and do you want a ticket for the Czech game? He had and a spare ticket that he was wanting to give to someone that he deemed worthy from um, His favourite podcaster. That's the type of story. That's the content oh. we need in 2021. Well done, John. For all the content you've done in the last couple of months, John, you deserve it as well, so Absolutely. enjoy the game. Yeah. You know, the yeah. great thing about that, John, is he gave you that ticket and that's absolutely lovely. And the horrible side of all the football bit is when you hear, you know, like ticket touts selling tickets. Uh, and I remember yeah. when we were talking about that Brazil game, the amount of ticket touts outside, you know, the stadium asking for funny money, like thousands. It was heartbreaking. Like, you know, normal fans not being able to get a get, get in. And these ticket touts having them in their pocket wanting funny money, you know. So that's... You know, that is really the spirit that you've been offered a ticket and given one. Uh, it's lovely. Yeah. It's funny. I'll be watching the game in a pub uh, in Glasgow with my friends. Uh, and actually, although I'd, I'd be over the moon if I ever got a ticket for the Czech game, the second best thing is to go and be with my friends. I don't think, I can't remember the last time I've seen my friends for a game of football. It must be two years now. Um, so I'm, I'm quite happy with that, to be honest. Well, I'm hoping to see it with Jon Donald. Aye. That, that's the plan. And that's Mary? That's the plan, aye. I'm hoping that Mary doesn't hear the podcast before <laughs> Monday, because otherwise Donald's not making it because he's going to have the shits. <laughs> uh, 
No, I hope fingers crossed we'll win the Boswell Arms and all. <laughs> the name of the book, incidentally, is World Cup 1998 Scotland Story: The France Night Journey by Neil he's, Doherty. He's given you the ticket, John. Don't you still plug it's it? For everyone friend. else to buy. He's, he's given no. you the ticket. You don't need to go off your knees. No, right. we like a football book. So you like a football book. I know you do, Scott. No, no, no. no. Definitely likes a football book. Tony does. Yeah. I'll catch that one that John's. It does look good. France '98. It's obviously a World Cup that I could actually really remember. So I'll definitely give that a, a, a check out. Right. So after the Serbia game, Ryan Christie in tears. We were all in tears, weren't we? Surely. I was emotional. I want to talk about oh. Scotland songs. Now, Scott Miguel, who's been a guest <laughs> of the podcast, Scott and the Egypts. I think, I don't think we've got an official anthem. I know some folks seem to think La Fontaine is the official anthem. I don't mind it. I know some people have criticised it. But Scott's tune, whatever it takes, I was emotional. I was close to tears with that one. I tell I you. Did, That's I, the best one I've heard. I, I yeah. didn't hear it I until agree. John stuck it on the end of the last podcast. And it's, that's the best one I've heard. I agree. The La Fontaine's one is nearly for me. But uh, Scott McGill's one's a cracker. I think La Fontaine's could be catch. I can imagine in the pub everyone jumping about going... Oh, the, a few times uh, from the east coast to the west, and all that. I was kidding. It was, yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea. The Lafontaine's going. It's better than don't come home too soon. But then that wouldn't have been hard. But um, yeah, just to mention the Scott Scott McGill version will be played at the end of this song, but with the good luck messages played again. So, and we should add, not only is it a fantastic tune, like it is the best that's said about just now. Charity is getting helped as well. So download it, whatever streaming site you use, stream it, download it, do whatever you do. And just die, buy it, listen to it, it's great. Um, and it's good again, I'm not guessing the podcast, we need to promote them as well, but it is a good tune, we're not just saying it. And I've seen polls yeah. talking about like what is the best tune and all that type of thing, I think it was 83% of it got as well. All, all, all the Polish people, they like it, no? They do. Good chat, Warsaw. They do. Um, there's currently a translate. There's a translation of it which Chris is going to give us, which is good. Did any of you watch that Scotland's um, football jukebox? Yes. BBC Scotland? Yes. That yeah. Was excellent. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was good. I, yeah, it was I don't good. remember the Playboy Steam tune, and I was in yeah. like '96. I was into that type of music, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I didn't remember either. To be honest, well, it must have been past me, but you know, all the rest. Did you remember it? No, I'd never heard it. But I, oh. I I agreed with a few points that I made about Don't Come Home Too Soon. I think that's a good song and it's a terrible message to send it to the players. It's mm. a good, it, was a, it is a good song, no. But it's just I. Uh, it there, there is no doubt that 82 had the best we have ah. a dream. The top song for Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have a dream. Yeah. Until now. Which I played at the start. But we've definitely not got an official anthem, have we? I've not seen anything that's been said official anthem for that. I don't think we have official anthems for the Euros because I think '96 was the closest. I've got, we have a dream in vinyl, so I have. You've got on vinyl, I on vinyl, I my my mum bought it for me in '82, um, and I've still got it. It's, it's in my. I'm not going to bring it out the new, but it's, I've got a wee collection of vinyls for run up for '1982, '86, the singles um, that I collected. Uh, Sydney Divines, they're, they're all Scotland songs. Uh, the, oh, yeah, they man. brought out for the 82 World Cup, the 86 World Cup. There's a Sydney Divine one there as well, and there's kind of there's two or three. Aye, they had that on the show, the Sydney Divine one. Aye. Uh, again, another one I'd not heard. 
Um, so uh, we might get a wee Scotland playlist on the go, I think, fired up in the podcast and just add to it, get, get your tunes on. We spoke earlier about content at the start. A couple of guys again, uh, Braveheart Lynch, folk were waiting for it. Tremendous. I know John was <laughs> to interview him. The thing about the Braveheart Lynch video is that reminded me that, wait, as I said way back at the start of this podcast, that because we started in 2018, I'd completely forgotten that Al McGregor had played in those early games. Aye, aye. I saw that video. The best bit about that video for me was um, when they were showing the penalties and serving them and Mitrovic is stepping up. It does the flashback of all oh, some of the great moments like Gemmell's goal and Collins' penalty, etc. And the build up to Marshall saves, I say, that's you now etched in their memory. I thought that was superb. He's, he's, he came across a great guy um, when I spoke to him. Um, I think that's the first podcast he's ever been on as well. So, um, But delighted that uh, we spoke to him. And his video was absolutely top class. Oh, I definitely. And the other one today that the Scotland national team put out, which is in association with Alba Matter. Oh, yeah. uh, the SFA stuff has been tremendous. Their media um, guys, are, guys and girls have really upped their game and it's been... Fantastic stuff to death. I mean, even the squad rollout video yeah, was excellent. Really good. I enjoyed that. See, when I'm not moaning about having to listen to Pat Nevin, you know I'm, I must be buzzing for a few minutes. Pat Nevin's all right. Oh, I'm not a Pat Nevin fan either. Oh, Pat Nevin's uh, he's the oh, thinking man's footballer. Oh. Thinking man's pundit. Like, he's the nice Scott squad. I was good. I like Scott squad as well. It was good. Yeah, I've never watched Scott squad before. Um, which is probably why I liked it. Uh, that was that was a pretty good one. Uh, I thought Amy Irons was pretty good, enough. Yeah. Aye, I bet you did. <laughs> what else? <laughs> um, Suck so my yeah. wallpaper had me in the stitches. <laughs> and then uh, Robbie was half and half top, but it was half and half front and back. <laughs> yeah. That's the half and half scat. Yeah, yeah I wasn't too keen. Seen Scott Squad all the content. I no, no. Is this the Euros one? The special Euros one? Aye. Uh-huh. No, I've not seen it all no, yet. I've not seen it either. You need to get on that. You need to get on the the jukebox. It was on, and that's not Gordon Jury. It's an actual program. <laughs> uh, the the seventy eight love stories one was pretty good as well. Aye, that's uh, good. That seen that. A year ago, that yeah. Mr. Uh, Brown's boys last night, I thought was really good. I, was a I thought it was class. Did you, do you, you recognise anyone on the podcast that was on it? Aye. <laughs> only when, only when, when you um, said that somebody was going to be on it, did I go back and watch it again to find out? Because <laughs> <laughs> you joined right. us a wee bit later in the podcast tonight. Cause but he, here's, here's a question. So we know Ian, a podcast guest, is what is one of them um, who was, was on last night. But there was another um, former guest on that show last night. Who was it? The main man himself, Craig Brown. Craig Brown, aye. Exactly. Messiah. <coughs> I thought I uh, interviewed him before <laughs> the Serbia game. He was I thought um, I thought Craig Burley last night was just brilliant. Well, I, there's rumours <laughs> that Craig Burley is going to take over from me on the podcast because he likes an <laughs> F word. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he spent some time in America, so he's probably spent some time with Gordon Ramsay. Maybe that's where he's got it all from. He was very good. He was very funny. The, the bit about Alice Miller was hilarious. Aye, that's the bit that got me. <laughs> um, but all around, I thought he was pretty funny. Um, it was, even at the end, when he was said, uh, I, I, some people said, I want the squad down, but we were shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> I, I, I mean, let's go back. Memories are 98. I know it's not the Euros, but 98 is the last tournament, but that. Uh, 
I remember we were in the pub. We were full of hope and expectation that Morocco game. We probably yeah. got, got ahead of ourselves thinking, all right, it's only an African team <coughs> we'll get through. Because back then, I think that's what the perception was. African teams that weren't that great. Mm. Even though Cameroon had done all right sometimes, Nigeria, I will get through. It'll be no bother. We fancied our chances against Morocco because we played really well against Norway and probably should have beat them. And mm. Norway and Morocco had drawn in the first game, so it was a case of, well, we should if we, if we should have beat Norway, then we were quite capable of beating Morocco. But actually, <laughs> Morocco were terrific that night. As much as we were bad, they had a great game. And Brazil? Brazil. Did we get more corners, though, I think? Didn't we? Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was probably the biggest shot. I like Craig Brown, but I remember that, the corners then, like... Mm-hmm. It was because of Craig Brown and how we were hard to beat. So I never for a second thought we were going to get humped the way we did against Morocco. And I'll never forgive Jim Leighton. So if Jim Leighton thinks not talking to Sir Alex Ferguson, I'm not talking to Jim Leighton. I I always remember (laughs) Brazil beating Morocco 4-0. And because we just lost... Was it 3, sorry? And because we just lost... Uh, to Brazil, everybody going, oh, they're rank rotten. They're rubbish. Look at the way Brazil destroyed them. So when it came to us playing Morocco, everybody thought we were like on to a winner. There was no problem. It was just, we had to score so many goals. And it just, yeah, it just never went that way as usual. The thing that got me was that, you know, all the press speculations that are, um, the Moroccan keeper, Ben Zekria, he's been dodgy. Is he, to be fair, he'd sold a couple of goals in the game against. Uh, um, Norway, which probably ultimately put um, Morocco out, and he wasn't great against Brazil. And people said, like, "I just get a ball on him; he'll be dodgy. We'll score there." It was our keeper that had a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Well, they had um, that the boy that played for Villa, um, Hadji. He was amazing. The third goal, I always think, was the best goal. Mm-hmm. He kind of cut inside and then just belted her. Um, but I, they, they were great that night. I, I remember we never got a looking all night, and I forgot about Bully with the blonde hair. I forgot about that and I'm getting sent off I forgot he got sent off <laughs> I, mean, I, I remember he got sent off I forgot about the sending off it was incredible because eventually we put him in the position he should have been um, and he scored one two minutes against Norway and almost had another one and mm. Dan Jackson was a good well runner but he wasn't the man to play in that position it should have been Burley but um, mm. and who knows had Burley been still in that position earlier we might have beat Norway we should have beat them with what we had anyway Yeah, um, but we never took our chances there's Brazil I mean how are that Tom Boyd no. Mm. I always feel sorry for Tom Boyd. He gets such criticism. <coughs> but see if he had he been there, Ronaldo. The ball was falling Ronaldo for a tapping. There's nothing he could have done about it. There's no. generally nothing he, could, he couldn't have done. He, he was running, defending. You know, I mean, in the same way that Henry said that he couldn't move his feet to clear it. It was a, it was a combination of bad luck. Mm. Can we talk about Scott disliking Boyd? He's he's not, he's trying to get his word in, but it's not happening just now. Ah, I don't like him. Scott. Just don't like him. Mute. I'll mute. Do you want me to mute him? Aye. Doesn't like boy. Doesn't like Leighton. Who else? Anyone else? He's gone quiet. I, I, I never muted him. I think it's just might be a technical problem he's got. Favorite That's Euros memory? What's your favorite Euros memory? It was Scotland. Oh. Oh, you could have a Scotland one and a non a non Scotland one. Go My favourite Euros was Euro two thousand. I thought that tournament was tremendous in terms of the 
the games that were that were played. I mean, that Spain Yugoslavia game, for example, Yugoslavia three two up with like a minute to play, and Spain pull it back. Um, you know, the final was dramatic with France winning an extra time. That was a tremendous tournament from a neutral point of view. I wanted it. I wanted to win that. I remember. <coughs> um, Donald. See, to be fair, all four no. semi-finalists, any of them could have been um, worthy winners because Portugal were really good in that tournament and mm. uh, to Holland, but Holland yeah. blew it in the semi-final by missing penalties. My favourite Euros memory for Scotland was Euro 96 uh, and Andy Gorham's display against Holland. We held them to a 0-0 draw and Andy Gorham was just outstanding. He was at the, almost at the peak of his career at that point. How we come away with a draw Come away with a draw that day was unbelievable. They destroyed us, and Gorham just kept them at bay. Uh, Best save is by John Collins. I was yeah. just going to say, overall, Gorham was brilliant in that game. That's the save that everybody Aye. remembers. <laughs> Don't talk to Dorian about John Collins. Oh, well, he's a <laughs> right, Tony. Tony, favourite Scotland memory, uh, or, or it can just be a Euros memory. I'll, I'll give you the scholar one, but England, England went 4 0 up against Holland because at that point I thought, we're going to qualify here. Because England could have went on to 5 or 6 that day. Because no. it just seemed to be like goals were coming in left, right, and centre. See, if I you thought, told me this was going to be your moment earlier, I could have brought in the Manscaped stuff when we were going to talk about Seaman. But, uh... <laughs> uh, but my favourite Euro altogether was Van Basten's goal in 88 because yes, I think yes. that, that that was the first tournament I really watched I can remember watching um, and I just I was back in those days you never got to see these players like every week like you can now you know they're on all the channels all the top leagues are on it Sky yeah, channels yeah. and everything so you only really seen them at World Cups you know so seeing these players and then once you heard of these players looking into the clubs they played for and get interested. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that probably for me. Dabasuka, Lobin, Schmeichel. Uh, Aye, that was a good one. I like yeah, Suker as a player. Uh, Ian, top Euros uh, memory. Uh, well, for Scotland, it was when I was in the Hote stand and oh. McCoy had scored. All right, okay. It was roughly 14 minutes we were qualifying, something like that, and we're in dreamland, and it was, well, until this competition, we're back in it again, it was just one of these sickening moments when you heard we hadn't gone through, it was absolutely sickening. But my other Euros, Denmark, when Yugoslavia never made it, and Denmark went went on to win it, I mean, that is up there with fantasy land stuff, so yeah, well done then. And That's then you had, the, you had the Greeks as well, so there's hope. Like, see, sometimes yeah, when, yeah, I, 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 when I'm seeing that, I mean, I carry, I'm trying to concentrate on work. Really, all I'm thinking about is the Euros. I'm thinking if Denmark can do it, if Greece can do it, Scotland, Greece, well, mm. but, Portugal for fa- five years ago. I mean, that wasn't a great Portugal team that won it. Aye. See if you go back, um, see if you go into YouTube, um, uh, our Euros, it was no, there's hardly ever been talked about, and probably. One of the greatest games I've ever seen, but you only see the clip, the highlights of it is Euro '84, because no British teams qualified for Euro '84, so the TV companies never showed the games right up until the final. Um, Denmark had a fantastic team. That was the team they had mm. just before they peaked in '86. Yeah, France was probably one of the best teams you've ever seen in your life. Platini's Jerez, Tigana, Fernandez, Rochetto. Um, Portugal were fantastic Spain had a great team Butro Grenio was coming on the scene with them Arcanada 
And the, the game between France and Portugal, John Motson's commentary in that final was just probably one of the best games it's ever been. But there was no coverage here in Britain. Uh, I've not seen it because my first tournament I watched was 86 World Cup, so I've not checked back older games. You get the full I've game seen, then? Full game on you get, YouTube? I think you get the full game, yeah. I've near enough the full game. I, I've seen the highlights. Uh, it's, it's a cracking game, that game. Um, the, the way France pull it back and I watch it. It was, it was in Marseille, wasn't it? I think so. Was, oh, yeah, the, the Marseille Stadium, but all Marseille Stadium is really, really tight ground, so it makes atmosphere just mental. But uh, if you get the chance, watch it. Also, I was going to say, when you were talking about Greece, I think it's Sky. They've got a documentary called King Otto about Otto Riegel, the Greek manager. Yeah. Um, and it goes through basically what happened, uh, how he built the team up and how they won it. Um, brilliant like documentary. Like Steve Clark's going to do. Exactly. I mean, or, as, or as you'll be called, Saint Steve. Saint. Oh, I Saint. Saint. But um, I watch it. It's really good. Scott, Chris, favourite Euros moments? That aforementioned Swiss game annoys me more than anything else because <laughs> that was just a frustrating day for us. <laughs> we were relying too much about England were doing and the entire time I was thinking we need to score more, we need to score more, we need to score more and we just weren't there. For me, the, for me, the highlight from a Scotland perspective is Euro 92 because I remember Italia 90 but I think I remember Euro 92 better because it was like my second tournament. Um, and that hammering of the CIS was just it was a phenomenal performance against a very good team. I mean, like the CIS still had a chance in that game to get through. Yeah. And the Germans were looking for <coughs> Euro Euro ninety-two and uh so Barry Davis or John Watson's commentary, uh Sweden against England. Is it Darlene Broly? Mm. I had that. I had that Sweden top from then. Brolin, <laughs> I loved Brolin. Brolin's one of my Euro heroes. He was brilliant in that tournament. But there was there was a Euro '92 as well. But Basil Bolly stuck the nut in Stuart Pearce. Yeah. <laughs> Aye. And then scored in the European Cup final a year later. And then the Rangers. There was a mm-hmm. dunk. It's incredible that story. Um, but, uh, yeah, I spoke to Andy Roxburgh for the Tatnam magazine for uh, speaking about your 92. It was just great listening to all that. And just the, the story I love best is when the, the, in between the Germany and CIS games, they stop at a campsite to say hello to the fans. You, you would never get that now. It was probably even unco- unheard of then just to speak, um, stop at a random campsite, <laughs> speak to the fans and just thank them for everything. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, going camping once for a Scotland game, it, it, didn't, it didn't end well. It was in Germany. <laughs> And it fucking pissed it down. <laughs> and our tent wasn't the greatest. I'll tell you that. Though, on a flip side, a good note was I, did, I discovered Lidl for the first time. And that, that was good because I had very cheap beer. It wasn't Dortmund, was it? It was Dortmund, Dean. Aye. Yeah, were you at a campsite as well? Not a campsite, I was no. in that square. Five star hotel. Yeah, I was in the five star hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was in the five star campsite. He gets the plumbage tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that square and it was bucketing down on the day of the game. Absolutely. Yeah, it was horrible. I that I got absolutely drenched. It was only a bit like we actually stayed for about a week. But for some reason, the guy that organised it, he was a member of the Tartan Army. He goes, I've got a great idea. When we stay in Dortmund, we can't get anywhere to stay, but we'll stay in this campsite. Why can't we have just stayed in Dusseldorf and Cologne? That's where we went either side and just travelled for a game. No, campsite. That'd be too sensible. Whereas Cologne was lovely. Cologne, we were at some like plus lovely hotel, same with Dusseldorf. But I, uh, 
Um, Scott, Euro's memory. You, you've gone silent. Oh, no sound from Scott. You could type it. Type Sign it. language isn't good in an audio on the podcast, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you can type, type it in the chat or WhatsApp me. Um, I want to say that my favourite Scotland memory is still to come. And it's going to be this German. That, that's what I'm hoping. Because we've not got mm. any great That'd memories great. from Scotland at Euros. Just be at the German. But we don't want to just be at the German. We want to be going through. It used to be the tournament that we never qualified for. It was always the World Cups. Yeah. We qualified, and then for some reason, the Euros, we always seemed to miss out. And, um, now it's kind of flip reverse. We, we kind of qualify for the Euros. Euros I think to be fair, it was qualify more... for them because the Euros it was only like eight teams. Yeah, okay, aye. And you had to aye, win the group. There was eight teams in Scotland qualified for the Euro 92. And more more European teams qualified for the World Cup than they did. Mm. I think everyone in Scotland at the time was concentrating on the World Cup. That was a biggie and we were kind of spoiled Mm. at the time. Mm. The Euros is equally as big, you know, every two years or every 23 years or whatever. I always remember we were. I was in Paris with the school uh, for Euro '92, and we were in this. The hotel we were in was just full of French folk because I think it was in the French schools holidays as well. So there was a lot of kids from outside Paris, what well, us then, and they were all watching. It was France Denmark, I think it was the one that could beat two one, and oh, they were going absolutely crazy. And I, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, literally cans going everywhere. Oh. I think because they built themselves up to think they'd won it because I think they'd been unbeaten for two years on the platinum and they'd drawn the first two games and then I think it was the last game against, I'm sure it was Denmark they lost 2-1 and that put them out of the Euros but I always remember that, all the French around us going absolutely crazy Tom Boyd has got Scott off <laughs> <laughs> Tom Boyd <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's going to be the flop in the tournament? As in team, what team is going to flop? That would be unexpected. I, I think Germany for some reason. Germany. Um, I, honestly, I just think they lost six 0 to Spain. Um, they're in a bit of a transition period. They lost that game to Macedonia. I don't think they're in a good place. But then, as you said earlier, it's hard to write off the Germans. But I'm going to ask them. <laughs> I know uh, that's fair enough. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they'll be. A, I don't. They're not. They're not a big flop. As as well as a big <laughs> country, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I I think Austria will flatter to deceive big time. I think. Mm. I think they'll. I think North Macedonia will come. I don't think they'll go through as a third place uh, runner up, but I think North Macedonia will take points off Austria. Don't I, I think they'll finish fourth in the group. Who will finish fourth? Austria? Austria, aye. Yeah, I quite fancy Austria to get through in that group. I think they've got some decent players. I think, see, that group there, I've actually went for Ukraine to win the group. I I don't fancy Ukraine. I watched them the other night and they actually looked really good. Fancy (laughs) Holland to be second, North Macedonia third and Austria fourth. Fair enough. Um, Tony, Chris... Uh, Finland, I think Finland will pr- I can't see the, the, imagine Denmark beating them I, d- I just can't see them picking up many points and I'd like Finland to do well um, Would that be a big flop though Tony because you expect them to go 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a it lot. Sounds good, though, doesn't it? Finland flop, like on papers. Yeah. Like, oh, like, flop. Floppy <laughs> Finland. <laughs> what? Uh, what did you say? I like pole flop. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> maybe Turkey. I think a lot of people, and myself included, in the last maybe couple of weeks, have started to take a wee bit of notice of Turkey. And I don't know, maybe they may be the, the one that maybe gets a bad result against Italy. I don't even take note no of Turkey at Christmas. It's beefing. Uh, I'm for me. <laughs> we're having, um, we're having the Turkish Cup next week. Yeah. And we've been here now for what, over an hour and a half or so. We've, we've not actually spoken about the third yeah, one. Yeah, the rest of us have been here for three hours. <laughs> you, you, you come on late. We've been here for uh, three hours. We've, we've, we've not spoken about the third home nation and how we think they'll do. I think, I think well, we've not... Uh, see, before I, could, I was doing, I could my, see I was doing my predictions and I thought they were mm. trouble, but then I started looking at the results that they've had and I thought, they're, they're actually all right. But at the same time, they can't do what they did last year. However, they do have Bale. Ramsey, though, I think, is injured. I think Ramsey's a doubt for the first game. The whole um, gigs thing as well. That's that's weird. Galvanise him, though. It could galvanise mm. as well, though. It's bad. I think, yeah, I think, like, was it Doro? I think you said they'll finish fourth. I think they'll finish fourth. Yeah. But at the same time, it really surprised me if they finished. They went through. That group's quite tough. I think Italy will run away with that group. But Switzerland, Turkey, Wales, isn't it? Aye. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty tight. I don't know. With Wales. It's, I mean, John, you had a couple of Wales guests on and stuff like that. And I mean, they must have been in, they were in Dreamland, getting to semi finals, our first tournament. They've been to in what, 58 years. But they were quietly optimistic they would maybe get through the group. Or Yeah, I think. Um... I think Russell, the um, from podcast Peldroids, um thought they've got a good chance of getting through. Um, I think Ian was a wee bit more reserved because they're in a really tough group. And, um, you know, you've got Italy who are obviously improving again, looking like they could go back to something like they were years ago. Um, you've got Switzerland who just know how to get to tournaments and do well in terms of know how to negotiate the rest of the group. And you've got a Turkey side who's um, who's improving all the time. So. Um, I, th- I personally think, I, I hope I'm wrong because I, I like Wales, I want them to do well, but I think they'll finish bottom of the group. Um, and I don't think my boss will be too happy with me saying that because he's a Welshman too. As, as Callum has told us. Yes, exactly. Well, he, he didn't tell us, but he did tell us. Oh, Aye. oh, uh, Tomboy's back. <laughs> oh. still can I speak, can I? No, you can. Yeah, okay, yeah. You can. Uh, we are asking about um, flops of the tournament. I think England. Yeah, okay, yep, I agree with that. That's I think, I, I think uh, yeah, I, I think they'll get through the, the qualifying group and then they'll meet somebody a bit better and that'll be it, they'll get knocked out. Yeah, they'll meet France, Germany or Portugal or Hungary. Do we, do we total, does everyone, is everyone just discounting Hungary in that group? No. Because they, again, yeah. they've had some audit results. The only thing is they're without, and I should have checked that Euro 2020 pronunciation bit. Slobowski, I think, is his yeah, name. Yeah, the main, the the main man. Leipzig. Yeah, he's uh, injured. Which could be a blow, but he, I don't know. He's still there. Maybe one of these teams that could be greater the, the team as opposed to individual. But it's just it's a bloody tough group. The, your last three winners are tournaments. I know. Yeah, <laughs> kind of see hungry getting out of that group. I just. 
Um, I was going to wrap up the podcast with a John special here. It's going to be difficult because there's seven of us. So going into the tournament, a best 11 combined from all the teams. Jesus. So quickly, goalkeeper. And At least I've been warning my guests, John. Just, <laughs> aye, well, I'm not. I'm, going, I'm getting my own back, right? Because see, originally when he did this, he didn't give warnings. So that's how it goes. So quick votes. I am going alphabetical. So goalkeeper. Marshall. Pardon? Marshall. First and no, yeah. So, Marshall. What? Marshall? Hi. Right, John. We're basically just going to name the whole Scotland team here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting lazy, aren't you? No, yeah. I'm going to say Donnarumma. Oh, okay. Just for someone different. He's aye, just to make person. things more difficult for me. Aye, cheers. Yes. Um, Ian, best keeper of the tournament. Go into it before it, because we'll have this at the end of the tournament, maybe. Just what the best team was. Just what John said. Don't remember. Yeah. Right, best, okay. best goalkeeper getting into the tournament, Jano Black. Oh, aye, that's a good, good shout. Slovakia. Yep. Uh, Tony. No, yeah. You said no already, or was that something yeah. that you did die, didn't you? Hey, Scott. <clears throat> Jim Layton. Yeah, Jim Layton. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Layton will always be the best. You going for John McLaughlin, aye? Oh, hey. McGregor. It's all right. Take time to think about it. It's almost <laughs> midnight. Hi. I'm, I'm just not used to talking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk anymore. Don't worry, yeah. All right, okay. So Don gets a shout. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, right we're all of a vintage age, so I'm a forty back, aren't we? Aye. Yes, good. Right back. Stephen Donald. That's it. That's it. That's just going to add. Right, Ian. Right back. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, All right, okay. It's far too difficult now. I'll just agree with everybody else. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Right, what's your real choice? Benjamin Pavard. Pavard. Mm, I'll agree with Donald there. Right, Chris. Who did you say? Parson, I don't know. Parson. I, I don't know who half the teams have got. Oh, come on. Euro 20, if you get the Euro 2020 up. Do you know what you should have done? You should have done a six-a-side team. That's what we've been doing recently. That's what we've been doing. That's the hipsters. Choice, isn't it? Six-a-side teams. What, aye, seven? And a rolling sub seven, 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 seven of us on tonight, so we could do seven-a-side, right? God loves five forwards and a goalkeeper with six-a-side teams, don't you, John? What's this? You're like five forwards and a goalkeeper. Aye, I do, aye. Attacking football, not like you, where you're, oh, let's play all defenders and maybe have a wee striker up top. <laughs> Two defenders. I, Two I was defenders. the same, Scott. I had Richard Goff and Kieran Tierney because one can go forward and they'll sit back. That's because you're smart, John. That's because you're smart. The other John's an idiot. I want to see goals. Goals galore. Kieran Tierney will get you goals. Richard Goff will get you goals. scoring goals. That's goals what you want to see. I want to see goals all over the place. Anyway, this tournament, some of us have got a, a baby to um, wake us up early, so let's get moving here. At, state, <laughs> at this stage, the baby will be in this team. Uh, right, <laughs> so what two defend, we're going two defenders, two midfielders, two strikers. Seems like seven. That'd be uh, might as well make a seven team. Right, right go, two defenders. John, yep, just give me your two defenders. I'm doing it, so... Right, John. Jesus, what are you going for? Um, He's a seasonal player and he's Brazilian. <laughs> um, come back to me. Right, Ian. Ella Walker for England. Walker. And 
PG one is that? I want two, please. Yep. Right, good shout, aye. Okay. Uh, Donald? Uh, I'll go Pavard of France and Wait, uh, think. I'm waiting. Florenzi of Italy. Florenzi, okay. Right, I'll, uh, I'll go for Ruben Diaz. And mm. what's his chops? Ferrani. He's not been good for Real Madrid, but France is is tournament quality. Tony. I'll go with Chiellini from Italy. Right. And Pique in Spain. Right, okay. So we I think we've managed to mention about eight different names. We're not going to get a consensus here, are we? Scott? Tierney and Bonucci. Right. I'll go Pavard and Tierney. Right, okay. Chris? Tierney Robertson. There we go, aye. <laughs> aye, great. I seven a side team with two left backs, centre backs. <laughs> Ideal. Okay, so Kieran Tierney and Pavard, I can get the nod there. Midfielders, two of. Alphabetical. Donald. Midfielders, I'll go. De Bruyne and. Kante. Aye, good choice. Like it. Uh, next up in Alphabet, Ian. Player Derida. What's that? The, the Czech midfielder. Which one? Derida. Yeah. Derida. He scored for them last night and they're friendly. Yeah, he's got 70 caps. Ah, he plays for Hertha Berlin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and another midfielder who. Modric. Modric, I, I like Modric. Yeah, and that's not uh, John. De Bruyne and Mason Mount. Oh, I Mason, I Mason Mount's a good player. That's um, up, Chris. John McGinn and Billy Gilmore. I, I like it. I, it's I. Scott. Um, Golo Kante and Frankie Dio. Right. Okay. And then Tony. Bruno Fernandes. Oh, I no one's mentioned him, I. And Modric. Right, okay. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, out of that lot, I think I like Donald's best. De Bruyne and Cante, that's got everything you need in the midfield, I think. Up top, two. Uh, Tony. Uh, Ronaldo and Mbappe. Oof, I, I think we may as well just finish that argument, maybe. <laughs> just about. Um, Scott? Uh, Mbappe Lewandowski. Aye, that's a, a decent shout as well. <laughs> Hard to argue with Ronaldo, who's like probably the best, you know, player ever. 
tournament wise. Was it one goal with these fifty week plucked in the was, was it all going into this tournament though? Is that what we're saying? Aye, so Ronaldo going into the tournament is like scored, is not like 12, 13 goals. Euros history. Uh, no idea. Chris. No, it's Burton Lewandowski. It's Burton Lewandowski. Aye, this was a good idea. Chet uh, Adam, Adams is a spout his cornflakes. John, John. <laughs> Lukaku and Bappi. Oh, Lukaku and Bappi, I like that one. I think that's good. Uh, uh, Ian. Lukaku and Ronaldo, and if they're allowed to third dykes. <laughs> so you're not allowed a thumb. <laughs> uh, so Lukaku and Dykes, you're saying? Lukaku <laughs> and Ronaldo. Aye. Or Dykes is touching. Aye, yeah, there's no one between them. I can see it's close between Dykes and Ronaldo. I can see where you're getting stuck there. Uh, that's at the end of the tournament, Dykes. It's going to be Lukaku and Dykes, isn't it? What are uh, 700 goals between them? Aye. Uh, Donald. Um, I'll go left field. And say, we're up front door on the left field. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, enough left field players, <laughs> I'll go. My, one of my dark horses, maybe, is a top goal scorer, Gerard yeah. Moreno, Gerard Moreno of Spain. And uh, you're just Harry Kane. Moreno, Harry Kane. Kane. Donald, who have you got in Catering? <laughs> only Mary, Mary's the only choice Mary is the only choice I think you'd have to go Ronaldo and Mbappe So Ronaldo and Mbappe De Bruyne, Kante Defenders of his Tierney and Pavard And goals with Donny Rubber That's like a decent team At the end of the tournament though, We'll try and get the 11th A best of the whole tournament Because we've seen it It'll be the Scotland team when we win it So thank you everybody for coming on we're all positively like buzzing about this tournament, as you can tell, because we were on here for five hours now. <laughs> <laughs> Monday it starts. It's no Friday, it's Monday. Yeah. And enjoy, enjoy the claim your award. Steal a quote from Alba Matter. Yeah. Really yeah. say, Donald? No, nothing, mate. Nothing. That's all right. Right, thanks everyone. Yeah, cheers. Let's enjoy that. Cheers. Good luck, Scotland. Good luck, Scotland. Yeah, good luck. Evie Clark, starting army. Catch you later, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Good luck, Scotland. Good luck, Scotland. The nation is behind you. I'd just like to wish on behalf of the club, um, the Scotland squad, Steve Clark and his players and his staff, all very best of luck before the Euros commence. Um, I've been a Scotland supporter pretty much all my life. I remember uh, 1985, my first ever game when I was 15, I handed them where we had to beat Australia, which we did 2-0, uh, on a wet night when I drove up from Berwick across the border and with friends who took me there. So to see us in a competition after seeing us in competitions for a few years in the bounce and after such a big gap is absolutely fantastic. So, so fingers crossed. Um, we do as well as we possibly can and we make best use of the squad and we get a few more nights of boogieing, um, fingers crossed. Anyway, best wishes, take care. Just a quick, all the best to Scotland in the Euro Championship summer, we're all behind you, all the best. Yes sir, I can boogie. And hopefully Scotland will too.
Can't believe it's 23 years since we were last at a major tournament. So hopefully, this time, we can be glorious in victory rather than glorious in defeat. Come on, Scotland! You can do it! Good luck, Scotland. We're right behind you. Let's make us proud. Come on, lads. I was born in Scotland qualified in 1974. I dreamed with Ali's army in 78. I watched David Neary's Topok in 82. Strachan's go against Germany in 86. In 98, I cheered as Colin scores against Brazil. In European Championships and World Cups, I've went in them believing we can do it. And that belief has never changed. Come on, Scotland. This is our time. We've got McGinn. What can go wrong? The answer's nothing. If we believe we are Scotland, this is our time. This is our country. This is going to be our time. I believe Scotland. Let's do it. Come on, Scotland! I'm sure that you can see the changes that have come over our team. In the past few years, we've had some hope that we could make it here. So we've been telling old stories and singing songs that make us think about tournaments long gone. 23 years is the reason why 98 seems so far away. So let me tell you how much we love this, that we think about it all the time. Scotland, the Euros are calling and now we're going there. And if you can take your chances, know that it will make us more than glad. Because for so long, this dream is all we've had. Come on, Scotland. This is a quick message for Steve Clark and all the boys in the Scotland team. It's been 23 long years. Uh, we can't be there to cheer you on as in the numbers that we would want to be, but it's up to you guys now to carry our hopes and dreams into the Euros. Bring home that trophy. Come on, Scotland. Just a wee message to Steve Clark and all the Scotland boys for the upcoming Euros. Uh, go get them, Bonnie Scotland. Uh, bring back that trophy, do us all proud. Come on the boys. Hello Stephen Wright here, wishing Scotland all the best in the Euros coming up. I thought we'd dig out an old strip from back in the day. All the best, have a great tournament. Hello, I'm Paul Mitchell, football commentator with the BBC amongst others. Main season's over, now it's time to get into the Euros. I'd like to wish Steve Clark and all the boys who are representing Dark Blue Scotland all the very best. Let's hope we can get out of the group and cause the odd surprise along the way. Enjoy. What a night that was. Ended 23 years of waiting for a major tournament. Believe that where it is, and let's go create more memories, Scotland. Good luck at the Euros. Let's try and get out of the groups and make more history by getting to the next stages. Come on! Just wishing Scotland all the best in the Euros. Come on lads, let's do it for the nation. Make the nation proud. Come on. Hi, Paul John Dykes from a Celtic State of Mind. Here we are, 23 years on from World Cup 1998. I remember watching that final on a big screen in a field at Tina Park. Sadly, no longer with us, but that shows you just how much things have changed in those 23 years. I'm sure with the Celtic contingent, and a Dykes up front that Steve Clark's side will be better than the one draw we got in France. So I wish Scotland all the very best. Hi, welcome to Halifax in Nova Scotia. On behalf of the Scottish Fans Football Forum podcast and everyone at the North American Scottish Coaches Association, I mean King and I'd just like to say all the best to Stevie Clark and the boys in the Euros. Get into them. 
Right guys, Scott McGill here. Good luck in the upcoming tournament. Um, it shouldn't be that much pressure news because we've not been there in 20 odd years. And I'm hoping for maximum points and three clean sheets. Scotland, practice and practice and practice until you get it right. Before, before the start. So, come on Scotland! And hopefully you can boogie.